Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Bottom of the Bill. We got our boy John Ward with us today. Thanks for coming. Yo. Uh, Thanks for having me. Before we get started, I just want to announce a few things. Well, not really announce, just kind of fill everybody in. Uh, if you have any questions, suggestions for the show, or unpopular opinions yourselves, uh, please email us at bottomofthebill at gmail.com, and we'll, uh, we'll, get, we'll get all your stuff. We'll address all your stuff on the show. Um, we have a couple of shows coming up. Uh, the Hangout Express is going to be at A1A Aleworks on February 20th from 7 to 11. It's me, Bill, and, uh, and Aaron. Or whoever shows up. I don't or whoever shows up, yeah. really. I mean, it's kind of Hangout Express is just kind of, we're just hanging out when yeah, we hang out. Yeah, but quickly. Yeah, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the most efficient hangout you can yeah. find. It's yeah, <laughs> it's to the point. Get you there fast. Um, and then I have a couple of solo dates, uh, February 17th, which I think is a Wednesday at the Southern Kitchen in uh, Jack's Beach from 6 to 9, uh, February 19th at the Boathouse with my boy Yancey, doing a duo with him from 7 to 10, and then two, uh, February 21st, I'm back at ABBQ for the brunch from 12 to 4, so uh, come check out any of those shows or all those shows, whatever, whatever you're feeling. Uh, you guys got anything, anything shows to promote? Bill, I know that you don't. Uh, not yet. <laughs> not yet. I'm, com- I'm coming with, so- with something soon. Billy's working on a solo set. I am working on a solo set. I'll, I'll have to refer to the, uh, the data banks. Data banks? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got I, – I don't really have my calendar just off topic, um, but oh. off the top of my head, I mean. Okay. But, yeah, right, right now I think I just have a lot of, like, sort of, like, event gigs and stuff coming up, so – not things that I'd necessarily call shows and such, but nothing that's available for the plebs out there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, like I was telling you guys, I'm at Lynch's every Tuesday playing with B-Sides, which is super fun. It's a band that does like punk covers and reggae covers and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's always a good time out there. Hell yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, let's get into it. Uh, so we should cheers first. Oh, yeah, we got to do the cheers. I always forget to <laughs> cheers. Jesus Christ. All right, guys. Cheers, friends. Cheers. I got a full glass of vodka, oh, ready to go. <laughs> that reminds me of that parties. That vine yeah, is man. like, oh, vodka. I like your style. It's like it's vinegar. What? It's <laughs> vinegar, bitch. <laughs> just oh, like yeah. drink the whole bottle of vinegar. This is disgusting. Um, Alright, so John, why don't you give us some background about yourself? How'd you get started playing music? Yeah, yeah it's been a long. Uh, Long journey. I started learning piano all the way back when I was like a little kid. It's probably five or six. My parents took me to like piano lessons. I think I hated it back then. I was like, I don't want to practice. But uh, eventually I stopped hating it, I guess. And then uh, it was in, I guess, towards like middle school. I learned trumpet for a school band. And then I taught myself guitar kind of on the Internet and then. So I had those three strains going, kind of. Yeah. Those three threads, and then it just kind of went from there. So were you, when you were, uh, like, very young and you were playing piano, what kind of stuff were you doing? Was it, like, the Hal Leonard books and that kind of thing? Or were you going to, like... It was more? pretty much that at the very beginning. Okay. Yeah. And then I I ended up learning from this lady, uh, Barbara Young, in Gainesville, and she she was an awesome piano teacher, and she had me learning, like classical music and and theory and all that stuff so you know i was learning like beethoven and mozart and all that kind of thing 
And even though like I don't play stuff like that anymore, but I know that going all the way back that gave me like a huge foundation of just being fluent in music and stuff. Yeah. Totally. Learning that theory and like the classical styles early on. Yeah, totally, man. That's that stuff makes a big difference for sure. And having that ingrained at such a young age, because it's like it's harder to lose it. You know, you learn shit later on, and so you don't retain it as well. Yeah, that's um, how I learned too early on. I did the Suzuki method. You ever heard of that? Oh yeah, I've heard about. it. I don't know a lot about it. It's pretty much the same as like most mus- uh, most uh, ways you learn uh, any instrument, except for you learn like an entire song, and then it's like this song is harder than this song, and then this yeah. song you learn how to do this thing, or right. you know now you know how to do trills or. Uh, uh, I can't even think of the words. Did the did the Suzuki method have to do with like, like it was all by ear instead of like learning on the page or something? By ear? No, like like you mean like the year that came out? No, I mean by ear. Oh, like, by ear. No, it was definitely by uh uh uh. It was like on music. the page. Yeah, okay, I must yeah. have it mixed up. I remember my teacher telling me about like, oh yeah, there's this other method that they teach kids with like they never look at the paper but they just like. That's bad. Show them and yeah, I was like. Well, she didn't. She hated that too. But I was like, I'm glad I'm learning it this way. Uh, my first yeah, song was "Twinkle cool. Twinkle Little Star." Yeah, <laughs> I remember that one with Suzuki Method. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the first song nice. in there. I did. Uh, I did those with the Hal Leonard when I was doing piano when I was a kid. But I was the same. I hated. I hated playing piano when I was younger, mostly because I had to uh, uh, practice stuff that I didn't want to practice. And I, I liked classical music, but I really wasn't in. Like I was really into like rock and roll, like, like early like. 50s little richard elvis presley when i was a kid and i was like i want to play like you know boogie woogie kind of shit in the piano i don't want to play like you know i was nerdier than that i was listening to uh i had a vinyl record of peter and the wolf nice i was listening to tchaikovsky when i was six hell yeah (laughs) um so i dig that that's so nerdy though (laughs) and i was like yeah tchaikovsky and like i was like you've ever heard of tchaikovsky before they're like no (laughs) fucking you play by yourself (laughs) Um, so how did you end up playing trumpet? Like what took you that route? It's really just like, uh, I was going to do school band and I guess this would have been like fourth or fifth grade. I started like a community school band and I just had to pick an instrument for it. And my older brother had played trumpet in high school, like 10 years before me or whatever. Oh wow. So there was just one sitting around at my house. So my parents were like, well, you're going to learn this. Cause we already have one and I was like, okay, it seems cool. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. It all just at that early age, a lot of it just kind of came in naturally. But yeah, I, I honestly, I think I just learned trumpet at that point. Cause that was an instrument that we had in the house. Yeah. So there wasn't like, like any music or like a player specifically that stood out to you at a young age. You, you were like, Oh, I want to do that. Not a ton at that point. Cause I think I was still, I think it was around 10 or 11 when I started trumpet and I hadn't yet like, well, I take it back now that I'm going farther in my brain. My older brother used to give me recordings and stuff and he was 11 years older than me. So when I was like seven, you know, he would have been 18 and he would give me CDs of all this different stuff. And he gave me a lot of jazz CDs. And so as a little kid, I was hearing a lot of like, Lee Morgan and Miles Davis. Nice. Especially those two. And then, like, the other, you know, jazz mainstays, like John Coltrane and stuff. But, um, yeah, even, like, 
when I started playing the trumpet at like 10 or 11 or whatever, I had heard a lot of like, I think especially Lee Morgan was the sound that was in my head the most. And even into like high school and college, I think I just always like heard Lee Morgan in my head. I don't know if you've like listened to him oh, yeah. a ton, but totally amazing. Yeah, such 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 a specific style. Yeah, yeah. It's like lots of clarity yeah. and lots of little like bloops. So I was like bloop 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 bloop. Yeah, but but he's awesome and yeah. I think later on, Miles Davis became like what I was shooting for kind of i feel like every trumpet player kind of goes through that phase and got to i mean it just musicians in general i think end up going through that phase where it's like miles man that, that guy he was it like you know yeah. i always liked freddie He's hubbard like an archetype kind of yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah i, I was always in the, i liked freddie hubbard a lot he has like a very yeah. like like miles obviously is like very laid back and like kind of and fluid but like freddie hubbard had this way of 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 just like you could sing all of his solos you know like they had such a good feel of just uh, he has an amazing like sense of time and everything I, I love the way he played it's like this presence like you could hear his voice and everything exactly exactly yeah. it's pretty magical billy what do you think about these guys i had never really got into jazz ever yeah. i went from classical all the way up until i was like 18 and then I was electronica the rest of the way. So. Yeah, so you skipped that whole nice. thing. No, I never went into jazz. <laughs> Whenever I uh, make dinner here, though, I'll put on uh, Dave. That's what I call him, Dave B. Dave Brubeck. Oh, nice. He's the best. Oh, yeah. God, he's the best. I do like Dave Brubeck. So I'm starting. I'm starting to melt a little bit into jazz, but I don't know. Not your thing. I just. I don't it's an acquired taste. It scares me. <laughs> it's scared. <laughs> I can't understand it. Yeah. What's the deal? What's you know what <laughs> I mean? Play the right notes. Well, it's not even that. <laughs> right. It's like, what are, we, what are we doing here? Yeah. Do you know what I don't like about jazz? Like, a hundred things. But the one thing I hate about jazz the most is jazz drum solos. They're the worst. Uh, this isn't even an unpopular opinion. Yeah, we're not going to that like, section. Dude, are you done yet? I'm just like... Are you done playing those drums? Yeah. It's, just, it's just like, what is it? It's not like they're, they're doing jazz drums, so it's like all over the place. And it's, it's like, it's just weird different rhythms. And it's as much as you can do at one time and i'm just like do like the drum roll thing that they do like jump <laughs> on them do moby deck you know what i'm saying yeah i mean that's you, a drum solo you have to listen you have to be like listening very intently to catch what because do you think they're playing I'm doing when when that sound comes out of well, the speaker well i think that if you really want my honest opinion on what i think you're doing yeah i think that you listen to music very passively passively yeah. damn dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> so am i witnessing just, some drama here no 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 this is a, this is this is our shtick this is what we do we just <laughs> we just shit on shots each other fired all the time yeah i like it uh, uh, but it's why you like, you know, electronic, like electronic music. No. Uh, it's because it's very passive well, and no, easy to digest. No. And then when you listen to like a, like, like an amazing drum solo, uh, like, mm. like, uh, it's, there's like, all, all, there's so many levels to what's happening and like, you kind of have to pick and choose what you want to listen to at any, any given time. And if you really pay attention, you can actually hear the melodies, uh, especially in jazz soloing with, on drums, uh, of the of the tunes you know so i think that you just don't listen on that level i don't know you see ever seen whiplash before yeah it's so boring yeah <laughs> actually that's a really really good movie yeah. but i was just like he's doing harder drum solos i'm like remind me about whiplash when we get to unpopular opinions uh oh yeah, there yeah, it yeah. is but that i just yeah I, I was i was watching uh dave brubeck from the 50s and uh everybody got a solo Dave was awesome. The bass player was amazing. I think it was horns. I'm pretty yeah. It was a trumpet player that was playing it, and then the drums got a solo, and I was like, what? 
like, I don't like, I don't like that part where everybody else stops. Here's yeah. what I'm trying to say. If you want to fake jazz, learn drums. Because you can is... just do a fake jazz drum solo whenever you want it to. All right. Because that's what it sounds like to me. That you're, He was just like, just like, pop, pop, but something whatever i got some boys that'll be uh that'll enjoy hearing that yeah whatever yeah <laughs> come at me Fucking right man. we already had what's his name start the great drum controversy <laughs> jack miller of on 2021 yeah give me, a, give me a jazz drum solo let's hear it uh i'll get medico or stefan on the show and yeah. have that conversation that's right. you should, you should have them play a solo live in the room yeah That'd right be fire, it's yeah. just well it's like film billy's reaction to it and upload upload the reaction <laughs> to youtube like, <laughs> I just don't get it. It sounds just like noise. It does. <laughs> and I mean, that's what all drums is, really. It's just noise. Mm, that's what all music is. Well, it's just it's, noise. It's no notes, you know what I mean? That's it's not the thing true. about drums is all that noise they make, you know? Yeah, I agree. See, he's on my page. He gets it. Yeah. But there are no notes. Man, I, I like a jazz drum solo. I'm a fan. Yeah. I, mean, I hate to tell you. I would agree that it doesn't have to be in every single song, you know what I mean? But like... Oh well, that's that's the thing that sucks about jazz too. Is that oh, I I like you want to get on the bullet list? No, because <laughs> like you got to solo the whole time, the entire time. No. When's the singing coming? Oh my god! Wait for the chorus. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, all right. It's so, all the chorus. It's the, uh, exactly. You know what's so funny to me is a, a jazz song could just stop whenever it feels like it, and then be like that would be the <laughs> ending, and I don't know. I don't know if they, it actually is the ending or if they fucked up. Oh, man, I hate everything you're saying. <laughs> really? It, I think I'm saying what everybody else is thinking. <laughs> and you're the weird one. I'm the weird one. Anyways, please continue. Uh, <laughs> so, Sorry for derailing. Um, I will say, even as someone who has studied jazz for 15 years, I still have to be in the right mood and am frequently... I frequently am like I don't want to listen to jazz right now. Yeah, I'm not the I'm not the guy. Who's <laughs> Even though I I have spent more time listening to jazz than a million people, but I still am like you know I'm tired of this. Yeah, some sometimes. I, it depends. It's like you got to be in the right mood, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm definitely not the person that rides around listening to jazz all day or putting on has records playing in my house like all day. It's just. There's uh, and I definitely have to be in the mood for sure. I just but had a like a v- v- vision of you and your Honda Fit listening to jazz. Listening to jazz, my Honda just, Fit. And with That's your, nice. With your with your arm out the window. No, like just cranking it. That's a pleasant, <laughs> pleasant vision. Yeah, I know. There's uh there are times where where I do like to do that, um, but most of the time I'm not listening to jazz. It's just uh, I went through a phase, and then also when it is on, it's just it, it's just. You have to appreciate the impact that it had on 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 music as a whole, and specifically American culture and everything. You know, so it's like, and like the 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 level of, like the attention to detail that goes on and the the whole idea of on the spot composition and and improvising. You know, like the like the whole thing is just amazing. You know, so I just I, have a deep respect for it. I I always had uh, uh, this like conspiracy theory about jazz where it was like one person like started playing like messed up wrong notes but he was really convincing and everybody was like yeah this is it this is yes. good <laughs> this is good and then it just got out of control just got out of control but anyways i want to write that down for a band name jazz phase <laughs> jazz face phase phase yeah. there was somebody that said uh you're never a half st- you're never more than a half step away from the right note that's what matt laugh on the bass player we had on kept on saying and that is true that's, kind of, that's real that in too. a way yeah that means that also you're a half step away from wrong note it's true kind of a 
Unless there, unless there is no wrong notes. <laughs> that's right. Unless there is no wrong notes. You hit a note twice in a row. That's not wrong anymore. I like to live exactly. in a world with law and order and rules. <laughs> and there's no rules in jazz. Uh, but apparently there's, also there's a, more rules. There's also ridiculous. a large spectrum of jazz. Because you can go yeah. from jazz that's very in the box to where there definitely is no rules. Yeah. Not even as a joke, but there's literally no rules. And all of those, there's a whole spectrum in between those. Everyone seems to find a point along that spectrum of the amount of rules that they like. Yeah. <laughs> I like all well, the rules. You like all the rules. Every rule. It's, like, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me how you can get like the kind of uh, like Frank Sinatra era or like yeah. kind of like th- like that style of jazz, Boring. and then you have like the more modal stuff, like like Miles, and uh, and then like where like wherever wherever the fuck he started taking that shit later on. Yeah. And then you have like, but then you have like guys like Herbie Hancock, and uh, the, and like the Headhunters that were doing like this funkier kind of approach to it. Yeah, that's cool. I like uh, that. And that yeah, and then there's and then but then you have guys like Mingus, right? Where he's just yeah. like. Th- I can't. I, I can hardly get through a Mingus record, honestly. <laughs> I just like that's that's where I will agree with you. I listen to that. I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. Nobody but, does. Know. That's what I'm saying. It's conspiracy. I don't know. Um, anyway, we'll never know. The only people that could confirm that would never tell you. So well, they're dead now. Anybody <laughs> likes jazz? Is dead. Well, the people that's now that say that they understand <laughs> it won't tell you that they don't. So you'll never be able to find out the, the truth. Jazz Illuminati? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> they all just like hang out over the ashes of Miles Davis and just <laughs> jerk that off. Yeah, that should be your next uh <laughs> this should be your investigative episode. You, you guys do like a documentary on the Jazz Illuminati? Oh my god, Jazz Illuminati is such a good band name. I really wish I'd written that down instead of Jazz Phase. It's too bad that you're uh your phone is out of note space because you can't write that one down anymore. Well, I have a rule that I I try not to do more than like one band name a day because it just gets ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. Okay, okay. I've definitely had lists of band names that were like sixty-five long. Yeah, exactly. And then you come to it later, you're like, I'm not gonna use any of these because there's too many. Yeah, it's garbage. I I use elite, uh, uh, filtered band names. Yeah. Yeah. Like what was the? You want to uh, give you some? Well, there was one like about here? like vagina something or another. Oh, that's my favorite one. Oh, like, that's good. Uh, uh, inside lady penis. That one, that's yeah. No, that's, that's that's the elite. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. I just had a great one. Uh, let's hear it. That I would like to remember. I don't even know if I can remember it. But I wrote it down. Oh, the Trevor Trove. The Trevor Trove. That's oh, that was pretty fun. That's good. Somebody was actually named Trevor. Would blow everybody's mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's you gotta hire someone named Trevor in the band now. Alliteration is important. Consonants is important. That's a good one, Trevor. Trevor. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, while we're kind of on the, because uh, huh? I, I I have derailed this. I'm mad at you all the time. Well, I know. But I'm, I'm never not mad at you. Well, There's never you. a moment that I'm not mad at you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, we can't all get jazz. That's a great band name too, man. Like they were having a lot. Anything with jazz in it, I'm about because we're making fun of it. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, speaking of uh, of genres, um, speaking of genres, <laughs> great segue. It's that great, may or may not I'm, actually. I'm the exist. segue king. Uh, I love genres. <laughs> what uh, what were you listening to earlier, like early on, like when you first started playing music that was inspirational for you? That's weird. You know, I like super early on. Like I was saying, I would listen to what my brother gave me, which was 
just a, a huge assortment. But when I when I was kind of like coming into my own, like I remember I had a I had a huge Green Day phase. Oh yeah, sixth, fifth, sixth grade. I was like Same. all about the Green Day. Um, oh, you're talking. You're probably talking like American Idiot era though, right? Because you're a little yeah, younger than exactly. me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It was American Idiot, but some of the ones before that too. Yeah. But um, basically, I would say the the point that was like the most formative for me, like through middle school and high school, was I went on a big path of like I guess progressive rock and metal and stuff. I was I was really big into Coheed and Cambria. Oh, nice. I was really big into Tool, which I still am. Love I Tool. still, I've been obsessed with Tool since I was like 14, and it never went away. So. Bill, why don't you tell me how you feel about Tool? Uh, I haven't really given them a, a hard lesson. Oh, now we're now we're gonna be nice about it. You should, you guys should just copy and paste the last 10 minutes, but replace the word jazz with Tool. That'd be funny too. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of makes the same thing. Honestly, I I couldn't even. I tell hate you. Tool drum solos. Yeah, like, I couldn't. I, I couldn't tell you one thing about Tool. I never really I gave him a shot. I had this idea. I was like, I'm off for this whole weekend. I'm gonna listen to their whole discography. I just kind of forgot about it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think I feel like it's it's past. Do you think you won't like it? Well, you don't. We know. should do like I a do spinoff episode someday where it's just that we try to convince him to like Tool. Or just anything that's I good. Or anything. Yeah. I'm not trying <laughs> Any to kind of good music. I have no opinion cool. about them. I just don't. I, I can't tell you one song by them. Mm. So I, I was just wondering, do you think it's hard as a 30-year-old man to get into Tool? Or is this the right time? <laughs> 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 because it seems like that's kind of what the target audience is. I don't know. I feel it's hard to say. I, I don't think it's too late. Uh, so I, I think if you spend some time diving in there, you'd find some magic. Okay. That's what I would say. But I have met Alex Gray, who does all the covers. You've met him? Yeah, I met him Damn, twice, actually. That's crazy. Uh, and I went to uh, New York uh, to the uh, Church of Mirrors and saw his whole oh, wow. thing. And he had that's a, incredible. Yeah. I've always wanted to see that. Do you know who that. he is? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, he's great. And I met him and his wife, and they were doing like a presentation about all their artwork. All, their, all the covers of their uh, – yeah. they're there in like – it's really cool. And what, was what was Cosm like? Cosm? The is that is that what they call the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors? Or yeah, whatever? that's what they call Chapel of yeah. Sacred. I call it Church of Mirrors. I'm an idiot. But oh, anyways, no, uh, cool. uh, but it was just like it was just like a house in the middle of upstate New York. Yeah, I went during the daytime. Who knows what goes on at night? But it was looking pretty <laughs> right. cool. And they were actually like the when I was getting there, they were like trying to get it funded to build it up more because at the time it was just like a just like a farmhouse basically. But it, was, it reminded me of like if you go to like one of those like kind of crappy museums like they call themselves a museum and really it's just an old house you know what i mean yeah totally okay. that, that's what it was like that's hilarious but it was really pretty up there yeah there are a lot of hippies God oh yeah that's a, su- York, that's a yeah. surprise so many hippies <laughs> all right so tool <laughs> yeah so tool there's I'm that sorry. and that's it that's the last band i ever liked that was like <laughs> no um yeah i'm like trying to go through the the history in my head. Uh, Mar- the Mars Volta was a band that had a huge impact on me. I really liked them a lot in high school. Yeah, um, especially their their first album, Delaus in the Comatorium. That that was the first. This is probably a better answer to what you asked me because that record was probably the first thing that like really b- blew my brain wide open. I think I must have been maybe thirteen the first time I listened to it, and. I feel like the first time I didn't get it and then I listened to it again and I got it somehow and I was like, you can make music like this. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. Cause I don't know before that, the, you know, I just, I hadn't gotten that you could make stuff with that much 
whatever it is. Right. I don't know what the adjective is for the Mars Volta, but it's like noise rock or something like that. I don't even know what to call it. It's not it's noise because like, it's amazing, but it's but kinda, well, it's it's definitely noisy. Yeah. I, yeah. I hear that, and it's it's like it's very otherworldly. Yeah, like that album has this whole story about their friend that was in a coma that like astral traveled to other dimensions and stuff. Wow. And it's it's just insane. That thing's like a weird head trip. That album, but uh, but yeah. So I mean. Th- that was one of the things. And then later on, just other records like that. I was always into, I was always into full albums that from the front to back, they had this weird, like otherworldly feeling. Yeah. That was, I mean, it was kind of unsettling almost, but I enjoyed the way that it could like transport. Did you ever get into a uh, thrice? <laughs> a, a, a decent amount. I was never like a total nerd for them, but I liked some of it for sure. So they have a, an album that came out when I was like probably in 11th or 12th grade. It was called the Alchemy Index. I remember that one. And that shit, well, talk about unsettling. And they have, it's like five different like full length albums or whatever they put out, like one for each element of the uh, of the earth. And it was like, uh, it was some of that, but an amazing album conceptually and some really like pretty and like kind of melancholy songs but then you have like these very like aggressive and you know like hard to listen to songs but that's kind of part of the full experience of listening to the full record you know yeah i always liked hardcore bands that would go in between like they would intersperse stuff that was really pretty and then stuff that's like really hard to listen to yeah for sure because it made it made both of them stand out more definitely you get that you get like that, that duality you know and it's easier to like be engaged through the whole album because you're getting this up and down right kind of thing. I always like that. Um, so when did you start putting together? Like when, when were you first starting to get involved in bands and stuff like that? Um, I had some little, I had some little failed attempts in, in middle school and stuff. I would say the first band I was really in that was like, you know, that did something actual, <laughs> was like I guess ninth grade it was called Township Rebellion which is named after a Rage Against the Machine song no oh, nice and uh that was fine I was a guitar player and like singer in that weirdly enough because I don't do that anymore but uh what kind of stuff were you guys doing we were like it was we would do covers of like Rage Against the Machine and uh I think we did a cover of a Fall of Troy song, some easy tool songs, but then we had some, half of the songs were like original, like our attempt at like writing prog metal as 14 year olds. Nice. And, but it was pretty fun. There's a cool, uh, well, it's not there anymore. There was an awesome uh, music venue in Gainesville called 1982. Uh, shout out to 1982. They're very sadly not there anymore, but they used to have, they called it an all ages music venue. So you didn't have to be 18 to like play there or whatever. Okay. So everyone who was in high school in Gainesville would like throw huge shows there. I got you. It's like no alcohol kind of deal. I think they served beer, but I think would some kind of permit, like you could come in under 18, but they would have a separate band for over 21. Right. So I don't know. But, um, but anyway, that that was that band, and that was really fun for like, uh, well, it was fun for the whole time. <laughs> it lasted about a year or two. But the first like, first one I did that had a lot of staying power was this band called Carpadium. 
Um, and we started that in maybe 2010 and that band lasted until I want to say 2016. Like we were doing that for a while. And, uh, that was, that was kind of like a math rock thing. Went through a big math rock phase and, and, uh, that was all original. And we ended up making three albums, which are still out on, on Bandcamp and the oh, internet nice. and stuff, which, um, yeah, I can share that with y'all later. Some some links or something if yeah. people want to check it out. Hell yeah! But uh, but that band was really fun, and it started out we were trying to do like like a prog metal thing again, and then as we got into college and like grew, changed our tastes and stuff, it turned into like very absurd kind of like abrasive noise math rock. Nice. It was pretty ridiculous, but it was a lot of fun, and we did two tours and like. We did a tour like 2015 and then 2016 or something like that. Oh, so you were already in college when you were in this band. Is this a band in Jacksonville or in Gainesville? No, this band started in Gainesville when we were all in high school, but it lasted through the time that we were all in college. And okay. We kept it going when some of us were in Jacksonville and some of it, some of us are in Gainesville, but um, it just it had enough staying power that we were like commuting and still keeping it going for good six or seven years oh that's awesome it was a lot man. of fun yeah it sounds like it yeah did you have uh was was did all were all your friends or all your bandmates rather were they all uh kind of like in music school as well and you guys were all doing the thing or was it just you uh that was kind of pursuing it in that way yeah it was always kind of a mixture like in that band which was mainly a trio um the our drummer was also um, like really involved in the school music and all that stuff. He ended up getting a degree at UF in ethnomusicology. So he's what always, that? it's like, uh, you know, I get, I don't know a ton about it. I guess like the cultural histories of like music in different parts of the world and you know world music or, or how music crosses with like, um, what's horizon, the word I'm looking dude. for? Anthropology. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I see. So how like maybe like like how it, I could see like how it like it integrates like evolution and stuff like that kind of. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if that's part of it. I'm talking out of my ass here because I don't really know what ethnomusicology is. Yeah, just but, an interesting sounding degree. I've never <laughs> even heard of that. But something like that. But um, that's all a sidetrack. But yeah, so our drummer Andrew was very academic in that way, and um, our guitar player Ryan was. He was super academic in other areas, but he taught himself music. Okay. So he was, he was super into like weird literature. Like right now he's getting his PhD in like avant-garde literature or something. Nice. So he's that kind of dude. And, uh, and he was awesome, but he taught himself guitar. And so he kind of, we had this cool mixture of, you know, he would write things in a sort of, way where he would just put his hand here and come up with stuff and be like, I like that. But behind it, he had these crazy, like artistic concepts, you know? And then Andrew and I knew music theory and stuff. So we would kind of help him to like flesh it out and stuff. So it was a cool combo of like self-taught and like school music. You know, I feel like that's always a really good dynamic. I was first getting started playing in bands I had 
no concept of mu- of music theory or anything like that. Right. Ne- not even really listened to jazz or done anything like that at all. And I got involved with like guys that were, that were in school, and it just took all these singer songwriter style songs that I had and kind of gave them life and gave them a little bit more, uh, you know, depth to them, I guess. And then also like really forced me to learn the language and uh, and get better because I, there was no way I was hanging with those guys. And so it's 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 a good. But either way, from a songwriting perspective, it's cool to kind of have. It's like sometimes it's good to have somebody that doesn't know all that to kind of bring the people that, that do know all of it back down to earth a little bit. And then it also kind of helps bring them, the people that don't know anything, up you know, a little bit more to their, to, to their level. You yeah, know? I strongly agree, agree with that. And I've always been kind of, I've always been really fascinated with the, the balance between those things, between like knowing the rules and just like going off the cuff because, yeah, like you said, well, I think a lot of people that learn tons of theory and that they do learn all the stuff, they end up like getting in their own way because they have all the rules in their head. Yeah. And like sometimes if people get too caught up in that, I feel like it makes the creativity not as natural. Yes. And on the flip side, like the people, most of the people I know that are the most creative that are just constantly coming up with amazing stuff, like a lot of times they don't know all that stuff. And I feel like there's a way in which all the rules being in people's head can like become a blockage. Yes. And, and the best bands I've been in have been where like the people that came up with the raw creative, creative power didn't really know music theory, but then the other people that did could help to, to build everything out in a, like a cleaner way totally so those it just synergizes well those two approaches i think it's like sean like sean our bass player doesn't know anything about theory what? at all but he are you serious yeah yeah for sure i didn't know that oh yeah wow he's really good at hiding it uh it's been like four years well he uh <laughs> well what bass player does but, you know oh. <laughs> i know right but, but uh but he always writes some of our best songs i feel like just because because of that you know because they're either really simple and they're catchy and then we can kind of build like cool ideas around them or because he does something that's very unconventional like it'll be like a weird change or like something that really doesn't you know that you wouldn't have thought i wouldn't have thought of anyways and then we can kind of do something new and creative with it so it's definitely a good balance to have Yeah, he's got what uh i got too which is uh two ears and a heart Oh, you're saying that? I'm, I'm, I like that. holes that were drilled into your head that you can receive vibrations in, yeah. and then he has zero heart. Yeah. Uh, just a little motor that he's pumps re- blood around. Well, no, but I, I'm, I'm, we're not really going to get into it. He's reptilian. I'm reptilian. He's not from this dimension. Yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. Yeah. It's the jam band Illuminati. Ooh. That would be pretty good. That's actually a thing, though. We can get into that later. <laughs> Come on. Okay. You don't know about... We're here. You don't know about, the, like, the Grateful Dead, like, <laughs> oh, Illuminati yeah. and the L- LSD, like, Illuminati, and how to, like, be a part of it and everything like that? Oh, yeah. I've heard, of, like, weird shit like that yeah, like, gotta, amongst like, the dead community, for sure. You lick, lick a fucking giant crystal of lsd and then just be like all right after you come out of it you're part of the illuminati oh what if i just take a ton of lsd at one time does no, that, that work is, that is what it is well i'm just saying can, can you like, i've just I've, I've just like they had they have really hard cri- for like two days no, straight it's a specific crystal oh it's a specific i know i don't know i'm getting yeah <laughs> it sounds like you were right it's made of lsd oh okay. it's in the jerry garcia museum yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
he knows. I'm down. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Just want to take a second to talk to you about one of our favorite music venues, Blue Jay Listening Room. Blue Jay is a space for true music lovers where every ticket is a backstage pass. Silence your cell phones, enjoy a nice glass of wine or craft beer, and be part of an intimate experience unlike anywhere else in Jacksonville. Hear national and local artists sing their original songs and share the stories behind them in a space carefully curated for the premier show-going experience. I personally have seen some of my favorite shows here, as well as having played in some of my heroes. Not only is Blue Jay a wonderfully unique experience, it has become a staple in the Florida music scene. Mention bottom of the bill on your next visit and receive 10% off your tab. Blue Jay is located at 2457 3rd Street South, Jacksonville Beach, and be sure to check out www.bluejayjacks.com for news, ticketing, and events. Um, so I guess, because uh, you do a lot of different things now, um, but before we get into all the stuff that you're doing now, how do you think that being in, because you you, before you were in like cover bands or anything like that, you were doing like creative projects, right? Yeah, for sure. So yeah. how do you think that, that helped shape who you are as a musician versus like having gone in just strictly learning tunes and playing out, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think overall I've just always been really lucky to have, have a variety of different points on the spectrum between like, yeah, writing from scratch or playing covers or the variety between learning in school and like DIY in a garage and, all of those have been parts of like my music history. So I think, I guess I've just always been fortunate that I've had all those different ingredients that I could sort of combine together. So I think, I mean, I don't know. I think these days it just helps me to feel natural in all those different environments. Cause when I do like original bands, creative bands now, it feels like, you know, it feels like home. It feels really familiar, but it feels equally familiar if I'm like reading the page in a jazz orchestra or something. Yeah. Just because. So I think at this point, I'm just lucky that I've had those different ingredients because it makes me able to fit into different like kind of slots now when I need to. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know. I guess mainly just like, uh, what's the word I'm for like multifaceted I think is, is how that helped me in the past. If that makes sense. Yeah, but. totally. I mean, I think, uh, I think Billy and I are kind of, kind of similar in the sense where we both, when we first started playing music, we were like in creative projects also where we, we, we didn't like start cover bands, or like join cover bands right away. Like we started, playing. I don't know. Do you consider, uh, praise and worship covers? Cause I, that's basically a cover. Band. I guess that's true. That's actually a. That's kind of a good question. I was in the worst cover band. That it's you a could pretty gray area. To. I feel like. Well, yeah, I guess. Well, I that, mean, that's how I got my start. Anyways, is, is through the church. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I can speak. For, I'll speak for myself. Go then. ahead. But uh, because I started playing in creative projects also, and I felt like, uh, in some ways, it it was a big disservice to me. But but in other ways, it. it it wasn't and the ways where it was a disservice to me is that there's a lot of stuff that uh i don't necessarily play authentically there's a lot of styles that i can like kind of fake a lot a lot of different styles but i can't really play any one style like super authentically uh, but at the same time 
I don't really like I don't really sound like any, I spent a lot of time like developing my own unique sound you know so I feel like it's I feel like that's like a really important aspect of getting involved in creative projects at a young age when you're just starting out yeah. because that really helps you fi- like you, there's no reference point like we're just we're just creating shit you might have your influences and who you want to sound like but when you're writing a song you're you're really kind of putting your own stamp on that yeah. and, and, the, and the, like that's a process of self-discovery as an artist you know Whereas, like, when you join a cover band right, right off rip, like, you're learning the exact bass lines or guitar parts or whatever it might be, and you do that for your career, and then you're really good at sounding like other people, but you might not have, like, your own kind of kind of identity, you know? I think, for me, I was just living in the middle of nowhere. Yes, yeah, so I was another just... musician in sight in Wilmore, Kentucky. Where, so. Okay. <laughs> I was going to ask where. Yeah. Middle of nowhere. And so, yeah, I would just, just play on my own. So I was so used to just being like, okay, I got to play every part. I have to play the bass and the percussion and the lead and the chorus and everything like that. Right. So that's my style. Were you learning, like, the actual bass lines course, and stuff? Yeah, wow. everything. Like, I, the, uh, I, I did everything uh, with it so that I could play it. And I didn't sing. So I would just, like, I would, it would sound like, you know, like almost like a ragtime or some sort of full encompassing just piano song. Piano's got that. You can you can make it sound like it's the whole band. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. So that's that's what I got good at. And then yeah, I had to unlearn that once you start playing with other people. That was the first thing he said is like right. you need to fucking lay off the left hand and then just relax. It's like, dude, stop playing everyone else's part. Exactly, exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's I was funny. like I was like so good that I was playing everybody else's part. I didn't realize <laughs> it until somebody told me it's like you're too well, good. You were playing everyone else's it's part. Like, you weren't uh, necessarily doing it well, uh, but you were doing it's it. It's just yeah. hard being so good. I didn't good. say well, I said good. But <laughs> I, I I I did. I had I had to unlearn that, but yeah, that's from from doing covers. I, I guess that is a cover. I never thought about it until right now. <laughs> at church. Playing at church, I yeah, no, that makes covers. sense. It's just doing covers, totally. But I but, did that, but it was like it was like a full band. I feel like a lot of churches, the songs. A lot of churches are like no offense, to like there's there's own. Uh, I got bad music. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> uh, were, now now were you learning? Like, were you playing like like the music off the paper? Or were you learning like like doing your own interpretation? There is no music for it. It's right. It's, okay. That's, so that's, that's what I was getting at. That's how I learned how what. Uh, uh, not bar chords. What do you call it? lead sheet? Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not even lead sheet because it's just just the chords like on yeah. top of it. And it's, it's like the lyrics G-D-E with the, C, the, the letter above it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Whatever you want to call that. Totally. I call it praise and worship music, but so, but yeah, that's what that's kind of what I was getting and then at. It was like, like those interpretations. Have fun, Bill, because you're not getting paid. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're 15. Yeah. So that so was my idea. It was a bit creative then because yeah, it, it was. was it, it was just like here's a chord progression. Now just do your thing over yeah, it. Yeah. As, as Bless as as creative as you can be, but blessed be your name. Okay. <laughs> uh, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Yeah, those kind of songs. Uh, no. I want to see. Wait, you I, need to go to church. I didn't step into a <laughs> church for the first time until I was like nineteen years old. I I I I think I stepped into a church when I was a newborn. Dude, and I know. I, think I stepped out. I know all I about twenty one. <laughs> no, all about those songs. Yeah, I grew up going to church too. I yeah, learned right? all those songs. Yeah, it's just there. I don't understand. And it, if you go back now, still the same songs. I'm just like, dude, write a new. They one. cycle some new ones, but there are some songs they just that the oldies. I was like, <laughs> I heard this when I was four. Well, uh, I was. I really liked um, my nana. She had a uh, uh, a hymnal. Do you know what a hymnal is? Mm-hmm. You don't know what a hymnal is? Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, the, when you go sit down in the church in the pew, uh, they'll have two books in front of you. One is the Bible, and one is a hymnal. And so, the Bible, obviously, you know what that is, right? But the hymnal is. <laughs> He's like, 
No, never heard of it. The hymnal <laughs> is all of the uh, music for the um, for like every single song you can think of, but it's all the old school songs from like the ni- early 1900s and 1800s oh, okay, and stuff I like see. that, like Amazing Grace or yeah. uh, It Is Well With My Soul. But it has the actual sheet music, and it's just in its little uh, little books. And I was like fascinated with that when I was a little kid. Dude, now that you're saying that, I also feel like looking through the hymnals was a big big thing for me like figuring out how harmonies work exactly and that, that's what all it is it's just four parts i mean you have the bass uh tenor alto and soprano and that that you just see four different parts and you're supposed to sing which part you are right and just focus on that because back in the day everybody actually learned sheet music <laughs> right. and how to read it but not it's anymore crazy. but uh, i was fascinated with that but i would just sit on the piano and just learn hymns constantly i can still play amazing grace with my eyes closed that's pretty cool. Not really. I mean, it helps. I'm sure it helped you in like in your development as a as a musician in, yeah. in some way or another. But anyway, this is about you. Not me, sorry. Um. <laughs> so, uh, you start. So, t- talk about UNF a little bit and when you started going there. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I, that's how I ended up in Jacksonville because I lived in Gainesville my whole life until I finished high school. And so, yeah, I moved to moved to Jacksonville right before I turned 18 to start college. And um, uh, it was just awesome. It was it was like for me at that point in time, it was exactly what I needed was kind of this fresher environment to learn a higher level of music and stuff. And, yeah, it was it was great. I remember that first year at UNF being like being very formative for me because I just felt like. I was tapping into all these kinds of new ways to create and like meeting people that sounded amazing. And I was like, Oh my God, people play like that. Yeah. Some of the people there that were the best players when I got there, it just blew my mind. Cause I had never watched people play that well before. And these people were like a few years older than me. And I was just like, how do they do that? Yeah. And um, yeah, it really, it really opened my music horizons very quickly. My first couple months there. Did you go for trumpet or was it? Yeah. Yeah. Jazz trumpet. trumpet. Yeah. And, um, the trumpet was my main focus all four years that I was there, but I was still dabbling in bass and keyboard at the same time. But yeah. When did you pick up the bass by the way? We didn't even talk about that. You play bass (laughs) as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so, the short story is I I taught myself guitar in middle school around like the same kind of time I learned trumpet. And then when I joined that band Carpadium, this is the most classic story, but I joined because they needed a bass player and nobody in high school played bass, right. but I played guitar and I was like, I'll try it. So I just learned bass to join that band because I was like, I can figure this out. It's just a big guitar. Yeah. That's what Billy calls it. Yeah. Big guitar. It's, a bit, it's a dad guitar. And dad guitar. That's like baby guitar. <laughs> it's very much a dad guitar. <laughs> yeah. Dad guitar. Um, and <laughs> I mean, shit, that's, that's all it was, was I had a basic understanding of guitar and this would, this was like sophomore year of high school okay. was when I started playing bass for real. But, um, yeah, it was just like, uh, yeah, big guitar, bottom four strings of the guitar. I can handle this. Nice. The less strings, easier, one note at a time. Everybody knows this. Yeah. Same exact. Right. It's just one note. You just move that same note just all around the fretboard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then it's right towards the end of college in like 2015 that playing bass kind of like excited me in a big way again. And that kind of sprung back as one of my main things. And ever since that, it's been like trumpet and bass kind of 
like half and half as my main thing. But yeah, I mean, every, just about every time I've, I've seen you out live in the last, like in the last, you know, last year that I've like known you, anyways, it's been mostly like bass gigs. I think I, I think I did a gig with you maybe like two years ago or something, where we were playing. It was me, Javian, uh, Billy Monarch. Oh, yeah. I think you were playing bass on that gig. Uh, yeah, I think I remember that. Was yeah. that at Aromas? That was at Aromas, yeah. Okay. Mm. And she, she I missed that place. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun gig except for when they called out that one tune, Blue 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 Typhoon? No. <laughs> it's like a, it's like an old standard like uh Blue Bird some something or not, I forget what it was. And then uh and then she looks at me to give me a solo and I was like I'm good. And <laughs> Jamie's like no, no you, you got it. And I was like I don't man. He's like just just like no, that's not how this works, man. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so anyways, Javian likes to throw people in the deep end. He's very good at doing it too. Cause he, <laughs> he, he will really make you feel for a second. Like, like you got no, it. Play it. No, play it. Yeah. You got it. Exactly. Like, and you will feel like you got it until you start playing it. Then you're like, I definitely don't have this. <laughs> you're like, Oh, he's so encouraging. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Silently judging. That's sure. hilarious. Have you guys ever had him on the podcast? No, I'd love to get Javian on, man. I'm sure he's, he's got some crazy man. stories. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, what was I talking about? We were talking about UNF. UNF, I guess. yeah. Um, and and just like the experience being there. Yeah. Yeah, the experience there was great. And I, um, yeah, all the teachers there were were awesome. I learned a ton from Todd Del Judas there, who's the saxophone professor. But he taught me a lot about, uh, like, theory and jazz improvisation. The trumpet teacher there, J.B. Scott, I learned a ton from him. And... Uh, the the jazz ensemble there je1 was like in terms of like professional cleanliness and stuff it's probably the best band i've ever been in really just in like in terms of everybody plays everything the right way right you know? and like i wouldn't compare it to like my creative projects and stuff or other bands because it's not the same thing but right the experience of being in that ensemble like sharpened me in a way that I don't think other things could have done because it was just like everyone was like but but yeah overall the whole experience learning music there was it was just really good to like sharpen my ear and and all that kind of thing and there's a lot that I there's a lot of stuff that I didn't learn there that I had to learn outside of school and that's kind of what I was getting that. Yeah, I which I imagine questions or not, but yeah, it's like uh, one of my. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine is the next thing we would get to, but but uh, basically, yeah, there was a whole other slew of learning that was like the year or two after school. Yeah, but all the stuff I learned at school is definitely like uh, indispensable, you know. So, what do you think? Where do you think it helped you the most, and where do you think like it it should have helped you more? Like, what didn't it prepare you for? Yeah. That's a good question. And the stuff it helps the most with is like, obviously theory knowledge and that kind of thing is right. a, is a big one. Um, a lot of it, just the ability to like fit into different situations. Cause it was like, you would have to, I was also in classical ensembles like oh, nice. brass choir or wind symphony or whatever. So it was just, you'd have to slip into all these different shoes at any point where you'd play like a movement of a symphony and then you'd play like something that you wrote for the jazz combo. And then you would play like some weird 
new piece or something and they all had different approaches you have to take totally and it was and i think that's something that i learned was like how to switch on a dime to like it's almost like switching operating systems or something or switching personalities well it's like classical music when you're doing when you're interpreting what's on the paper especially for for a horn player uh, the idea is you want to try and get it to like tonally like you want to get to sound as if they were playing it like back when it was written right so, so you want to try it like, like you don't want, yeah. even if you're playing the right notes, if it doesn't sound like, like the sound that it was supposed to be, then you're doing it wrong. Exactly. And all the, all the different periods of classical music have like different ways you're supposed to play it. Right. And that became, that becomes its whole own study is how do they play Baroque music? How do they play early classical? How do they play impressionistic period or whatever? Right. And, that stuff that stuff was never my my main focus or whatever but but having to do shit like that and then like go and all of a sudden like have to go do a jazz ensemble where where you're probably gonna be improvising a little bit and you know like realizing okay well now it's now it really is about your sound versus trying to you know interpret somebody else's you know right that's gotta be a difficult thing to wrap your brain around a little bit totally it's it takes a lot of adjustment so so yeah i guess just versatility is a word for that so yeah like versatility and and fluency like knowing like being able to work with chords and scales easily and like being able to hear something and write it down or hear something and play it back know what notes it is right away right all that is like the kind of stuff that i would say i got from there and on the other hand like the flip side to your question is that i i do feel that like a lot of my, I wouldn't say I was stunted. I would say a lot of my creativity was slowed down during that time. And I got myself in a lot of mental ruts where I was kind of getting hung up thinking there's a, I have to do these things the right way. Or, uh, if I, if I write music, like it has to be like this or it has to be perfect. Or if I was going to write a piece, I would think I had to use all the stuff I learned, which would mean I'd be putting in a million chords and a million (laughs) notes. And there is, I did find that there was kind of a disconnect in like the world of like music at college or there's a disconnect from that to like just the simple act of, creating music it's kind of like what we were saying earlier and i think it took me a couple years of deconditioning almost to get back to like just being able to play simple and just or especially just being able to like create music simply and because now I'm, i'm a huge fan of simplicity and like I would rather write a song that only has two chords the whole time if it feels right. Yeah. And it's always if it's like something could be, I love music that has a million chords if it feels right. If it's like, that's what that calls for. And then other songs, I mean, there's incredible music. That's like one note the whole time. Right. And there's no requirements for that kind of thing. And that's something that I think school drills in to people's heads in maybe a negative way is that people do get a little stuck on like, or at least for me, I did kind of stuck on like, I have to use all this stuff. Yeah. 
Well, if and you don't if you don't use it, then you lose it essentially, and especially at a time when you're really like it's a lot of information to keep track of it it really is if you don't put it to the test then you're not gonna you might never you might just lose it all you know so there is something you said about that that's first. true there's there's an element of that as well um and, and i think it has to do with the amount of like i i would i feel like that stuff was so drilled in back then that now i'm not afraid of losing it because Back then, it was like every day, like doo -doo 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 in right. your brain. So now I always feel like that stuff I learned is there when I need it, I suppose. Yeah. But I also find that I don't need it as much as I would have thought. <laughs> I mean, but it's cool to be there when I need it. So it's like, a, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, especially for, for writing music and stuff, I feel like, I mean, if you're talking about just like your standard run of the mill bar gig or, or, your, or a corporate gig or something, obviously. Like you're not going to need any like most of that stuff for 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 anything like that, but it really I think does come in handy to to have at least those things in your uh, in your bag of tricks when you're writing because if you're if you're in a rut with something you can always like think about it from a different perspective. Maybe you're not hearing the idea, but so then you like you go to like your playbook. You're like, hey, well, what can I do? Like, what what can actually be done here? And then you can you can kind of exercise all the theory knowledge and stuff that you know maybe you don't use in the day-to-day -day. it's kind of helps to pick up where the creativity leaves off sometimes you know totally um well, how were you able to manage playing in bands while you were in college i know it's very demanding a lot of guys that i know in school can't do both and they just end up you know digging their head in the books for four years and they've never totally. played a gig <laughs> totally yeah there was a bit of that and really i wasn't I was in less bands during that time than I was before or after. So it sure. definitely was like a bottleneck. It had a, that kind of effect. But, uh, you know, I was in one, I was in really just one main band during that time, which was one called Dr. Science, yeah. which maybe you have heard of that. We, we played with with you guys at uh, the Snarky Puppy After Party. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. what it was. That's yeah. where I was like, I know I met you before, and I couldn't put my head. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You know? I yeah, forgot. That was yeah. a fun show. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That was the second iteration of Dr. Science, I think, when we added a second drummer. Who was playing drums with you guys that night? It was Medico and Stefan. Oh, right, if right. If I remember right. <laughs> yeah, it's right. So I, remember, I remember that they both walked in, and I, I looked over, I was like, this is unfar <laughs> <laughs> What did you think of the uh, the DJ set that Snarky Puppy did afterwards? What was the name of it? To be honest, what was the I name think of it? I was too tired and went home. Uh, I, can't I don't blame you. She was <laughs> fucking whack. It was oh god, I can't remember. It, it was, was it was a tr well, what's it something town or something. I can't remember what it was called. Oh, I kind of remember that, but dig, I can't remember the name dig of it. Town or yeah, some jam, like jam town or I something. can't remember either. Bone, it was jam bone. So yeah, boring. some shit like that. It was really boring. It was, it was I think the trombone <laughs> player or somebody from Snarky. Well, it was one of the guys from Snarky Puppy. Here's what I say about it: stay in your fucking lane. Well, I mean, <laughs> damn. <laughs> Like I'm gonna be DJ. DJ's easy. Like, okay, the shot man. heard around the world. Dude yeah. probably made more Come that night me. than we did playing at 1904 after his main after his main gig at the Florida I Theater. I think he made a little bit more money at the Florida Theater. I'm I'm sure. Was, I'm just saying. Was snarky puppy. Anyways, that was um, boring. What yeah, can that's you how do? I recognize you. I was like, what the fuck? Like I saw you at our show, and I was like, I know this guy. But I was I was in my head a little bit at that show. I feel that. You know why? I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. Well, oh, okay. 
That wasn't going to be my guess, but that's why. Fucking <laughs> cry about that it, makes bro. Sense. I almost did. Yeah. I was this close. Mm-hmm. I'm too macho to cry. I can't cry. <laughs> I don't, if you put on Rudy, too that's the only. Th- I cry. am. I, I'll, I'll cry to Rudy. That's about it. <laughs> when he he only cries cry. behind the camera. Yeah, yeah, behind the camera. Um, off the mic. Off the mic. Have you ever tasted heaven in a glass? Do you pine for the hoppiest brews and palest ales? Do you like food? If so, then Wicked Barley is the oasis that your mouth has been wishing for, walking into the complete barren wasteland that is your life. Wicked Barley is located in Jacksonville, Florida, nestled on the banks of Good Beast Creek. Wicked Barley aims to provide its guests with a wicked experience, offering over 18 house-brewed beers, ciders, and meats on tap. They also have an expansive gastropub-style food menu, including burgers, salads, sandwiches, and more. Whether you are a newcomer or a craft beer connoisseur, there's a little something for everyone at Wicked Barley. Visit them at 4100 Bay Meadows Drive and tell them Bottom of the Bill sent you. You were saying, uh, oh, you were in Dr. Science yeah, in college. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Science. I, that was really, well, and actually, like I was saying, that band Carpadium, we kept that going through that whole period. You guys um, toured when you were in college? Right after, okay. not, but not during, so that helped a bit. But, but yeah, those are the only real, like, out-of-school things that I was involved in at that time because I pretty much took up all my time yeah. during those years. But Dr. Science was a lot of fun. That was all people from UNF there. So we had that sort of common ground of like the same approach, the same way we were learning stuff and like saw each other in class and all that. And uh, that was with my uh, one of my good friends, Evan Rafino. Yeah, who I think you probably know. Yeah. We've met a couple times. I don't really know him that well. But yeah, yeah. Evan's awesome. And so that band was a lot of fun. Medico's in it. Um, Eric Ream. Uh, I don't know him. He's a saxophone player who's really awesome. Okay. And, uh, and then David Ott was in it. David Ott, yep. So that was a lot of fun. And the album that we made back then is still on Spotify. It's called Print Shop. Nice. If anyone wants to go check out Print Shop yeah. by Dr. Science. I'm definitely going to check that out. I, I remember who was showing me, I think, what, you guys, did you guys do that at Chromatic? Yeah. Okay, because yeah, that's right. So Chris Underdahl was showing me some stuff uh maybe i shouldn't be saying this but it was before before Exclusive. like before the masters were out before the final mixes were done right. he was showing me some stuff he's like Yo, you, you got you he's like, you gotta check this band out they're fucking nasty of dr science that's cool yeah, yeah. and uh and mm-hmm. i checked him out and like i remember listening to that and uh and i had seen evan do a couple of uh like around town playing like some jazz gigs and stuff and i and i think thinking obviously he was really good and i listened to that and i was like God damn. I didn't know, like, you know, when you hear guys playing straight ahead jazz shit, you don't always know what they're capable of outside of that, you know? Totally. I know, dude. Evan played some shit in that band where I was like, whoa. Yeah. I would be scared to be that guitar, some yeah. of the stuff he played. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, he can. He plays with a lot of uh, lot of energy. Yeah. It's great. So, um, when, uh, so do you feel like you were at a bit of a, a, of a disadvantage not having the gigging experience? Do you feel, did, did college prepare you for a gigging, uh, career at all or outside of obviously the music aspect of it? Yeah. They have gigging 101 at UNF. <laughs> they should have more stuff like right? that. I mean, I guess the good answer to that question is I think it prepared me well for half of it. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because the music half of it, not the business. Half. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's uh, 
because oh, the way I learned there, that really helped me as far as like the ease of learning tunes or like being able to fit in with different bands, being able to tell what's going on right away and you know, all this kind of stuff. But, uh, it didn't, it took me more time to just like, I'm trying to think of the right way to explain it really just to come in my own and to like, to just feel comfortable doing what I would do in a natural setting without all the scaffolding of, of this college thing. Right. Right. Um, so I, I feel like despite how much I learned going there, I feel like the year after I was out of school was the year I learned the most. <laughs> if that makes sense. I'm sure it was, it was weird, a crash course, man. And, in, 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 in gigging in and which actually was going to be one of my questions. Uh, uh, one of my last questions about the college stuff is was, was there any like big, um, like aha moments that you had, uh, or, or like really like maybe even, uh, what, what, how did I write it? Um, or, like just like really hard lessons that you had to come to terms with, uh, Either while you were in college or maybe your first year out of college even? Um, you know, it was. I feel like it was a huge series of small ahas. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a small aha every week or something. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. A, a lot of it came from just seeing the level of, of playing of certain people, which was, like I said, was beyond what I had seen before. Uh, there were certain people when I showed up there, like Stefan was one of them. I had never heard a drummer like Stefan when I was grew up in Gainesville. I right. was like, what in the world? And uh, Daniel Dickinson, if you ever knew him, I don't. I don't think I know him. He was an incredible sax player that he ended up moving up to New York. And but yeah, I don't know. I think I had some ahas from just hearing how good people were, and it kind of. I guess it put a fire under my ass because I was like, wow, there's people that can actually play like that. It was this, it was kind of a realization of, I had listened to records growing up, but when I heard that, I was like, oh, there's people that sound like the record right. in real life. Right. And I had never, I feel like I'd never heard real jazz in front of my face I'd only heard it on an album and I, in my head I was just like well it's only on albums that it sounds like that right and then you see like some monsters like Stefan or like fucking yeah, Stan Piper like, and exactly yeah you're just like what the fuck I was like oh it actually does sound like that yeah when people are that good yeah um, but yeah I mean that's that's kind of a sideways answer but that was like a big part of the aha was realizing the level that was possible. And I was just like, wow, I gotta, it was like scary and inspiring at the same time. Yeah. Cause it was like, Oh, maybe I could be that good someday if I work hard enough. But it was also like, damn, those people are so good. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there is, uh, I mean, there is obviously a lot of hard work that goes into, to, to being a great musician, but there is also like that, very small portion of musicians that didn't really have to work as hard as everybody else did. If you know what I mean? Totally. They just like the, 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 the physical aspect of that to it, to it, uh, for them just came so naturally and they just, and, and the musical aspect, they just heard it. It just, it was already there, you right. know? So, 
guys like JV and like Ste- Stefan, like that's not like obviously it's in their blood. Yeah, man. Like they worked. I'm not taking anything. Like they worked hard and they're and they're they're phenomenal musicians. But I'm but like those guys are are like they are that. Like that's like the physical totally. incarnation of of who they are. You know. So I don't know. It's a nature versus nurture argument. I don't like it. Well, you know. I don't like it at all. Sometimes a little bit of both, Bill. I don't. Well, yeah, you're right. Nothing's ever 100, percent but I think anybody could be that good if they try hard enough. Anybody can get good, but there's a certain cl- I there's don't. certain people out there that. Yeah. All right, maybe you just haven't <laughs> met those people, but I've maybe, met. People. Maybe we talk about like Freddie Mercury because he had he had an overbite, and so it like scientifically made him be able to sing. No, better. that's not what I'm Is talking that what you mean? about. No. Okay, well then I don't get it. Okay. Actually. <laughs> That's I know that you're joking, but there yeah. actually is a controversy about that in the trumpet circle. That no, no, I actually no, 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 I'm not joking. About oh, that. I thought, like, I, I, thought I, I read articles about it. It's like because of like the way that his like larynx was shaped, like that's how he could sing so well. Damn, well, there, there is stuff like that about yeah. trumpet players, like about Maynard Ferguson. Yeah, is there's people that are like, there's no way he could play like that unless his mouth was like shaped a certain way yeah. that could like spin the air faster. So crazy. That's like and just so detailed. There really so. is a physical element to the way people can play because obviously the way your mouth or your hands are shaped can yeah. affect. Even just as a piano player, like I've got small hands. And so like fucking forget me trying to play Rachmaninoff. That guy is like can reach a right. 15th. I can reach a, th- <laughs> yeah. a, a ninth if I try real hard. Yeah, real hard. <laughs> but that's it. Exactly. That's it for me. But look, but then you got you look, look at guys like Stevie Ray Vaughan, big old sausage fingers. Sausage Dude's fingers. fucking are I mean arguably changed the, the landscape of blues, you know. And there's a, there's a lot of Django Reinhardt. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like yeah, man. Or fucking look, look at Look at Les Paul had three fingers. Look at the shit he was doing. You know what I mean? Like, well, is it is it true that Django Reinhardt had two fingers? Uh, or, I don't. Or am I going crazy? I don't think that's true. <laughs> well, besides, I just point, think, though, I think you might have made that up. You're talking. We about can factual. Wow, well, Jamie, look that up. We, yeah, you're, you're just trying to <laughs> say, young Jamie, young Jamie. You're you're you're, you're trying to say that right like uh, the. Uh, I apologize uh, to everybody if I'm wrong, but I've been under that impression for my entire life. What? That Django Reinhardt only had two fingers. I don't know who Django Reinhardt is. He's a guitar player. Neat. He's he's one of the most famous like old time jazz guitar players. Oh, like Gypsy okay. Jazz. Gypsy Jazz. That's a good band name. Uh, hey, uh, it looks like you're uh, incorrect about that. He had he had all ten fingers. But, uh, <laughs> he. Wait, zoom in on one of those pictures. Oh, I'm trying man. to get a good one. That's great for the video. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it still doesn't. Maybe that maybe there's some kind of default. Uh, like def, uh, uh, oh, he's deformed or something. Oh, that's textbook, <laughs> like, man. They're, they're here. Claws. Yeah, his claws. They're here. It looks like he's not like they're not functional. Maybe. I think maybe it was something like that. But anyways, which is insane. Physical, physical deformities and stuff like that. Yeah, that definitely comes into play. But when exactly. you're talking that's about like, yeah, but that's different than just being. But it's not born. really that important. This it's more of a curiosity that it just I guess. affects people's whatever they do. I don't know, yeah. That's weird. I was see, I'm sure you've seen that video. I can't remember the name of the guy, but it's the YouTube video where his son, he's like just started teaching him at a really young age and he'll just play like the craziest like ten part chord and then the son will like sing every single note in the chord. Oh, you yeah. know what I'm talking I about? Do know what you're talking about. And so I'm just like can can you teach any three year old that? And then eventually it's like, Yeah, I started teaching him at about two or three and then this is the way that he is now. Yeah. Or is it because he's a genius? 
could be both. I don't think so. Why not? I think I'm just no. I'm just I'm just saying that I think that you can teach anybody that. Yeah. That has the mental capacity for it. Anybody can learn how to play music for sure. That's not what I'm trying. That's. that's I agree that's with not, that. Okay, but I'm going back to the other thing of that. He's 11 years old, and then he can <laughs> he can hear like a and then it's not like a normal chord. It's like a really dissonant. So chord. some people are born a perfect pitch, you know? Yeah, I don't believe that. Oh, you don't believe that? No. That's real. Pretty sure that that's Sorry, just no. science, but no, that's fine. Not. I mean, you know, because you can just get to uh, you can tell me that you can tell between four thirty nine hertz and four forty hertz. No. I'm yes, incorrect. Okay, I don't believe it. See how see how he's he is so frustrating. I'm he's frustrated. trying to skip straight to the last segment. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to to to. This is not a popular opinion. I'm talking. We're talking about music. This is music. Uh, no, it is. I'm just saying. I I just don't believe that. It, and in fact, that was my when I went no, to you. I'm noting F- another unpopular opinion. Okay, I'll save it. Go ahead. But remind me that it has to do with this. Just I got an unpopular opinion. Bitch. You suck. Oh, okay. Wow, dude. Wow, <laughs> that's not unpopular. Sorry, that was so. a little aggressive. <laughs> Full bully to you. Sorry, I was I was I, I was stating <laughs> a fact, and it was supposed to be an opinion. I'm sorry. Well, my my, oh. my my music theory teacher <laughs> at UNF because I I lasted a whole half of a semester and oh, yeah. I dropped out. But I so uh, did not have the mental capacity to play, or no, what was it? it? It had a lot to do with my family life. But the second part is uh, uh, the. Uh, my music theory teacher, who was a hard ass, like the hardest of hard asses, he was the one who was saying there's no such thing as perfect pitch. And then he said that reason. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. I couldn't tell the difference between 440 well, and 439.9999. You don't have perfect pitch, do you? It doesn't exist. Nothing's perfect. Okay, well. I, there are people that know what note a note is. If yeah. You hear it. If, you're say, if you're saying perfect pitch doesn't exist because people can't tell, like, a fraction of a hertz apart yeah. on the dime, that's. Maybe there's an argument to be yeah. made for that. But there are people that can hear a note out of silence and go, that's a G sharp. And they're just born with that or they had to learn how to do that? Yeah, they just born with that. Born with that. I mean, like, you have to learn the names of the notes when you grow up. But, I mean, it's that they have some mechanism in their ear that, that anchors it. Like, they know. That's crazy. They, you can go sing a G and they're like, Aah. I don't know if that's a What's G. What's the but science? Now there's, now there's relative. I think I was like an A flat, but you're close. <laughs> I have perfect pitch, actually. I do. I do. Right. So there's relative. Doesn't exist, dude. Doesn't exist. Uh, which is where if you have, if you're given a note. I know what relative. Okay. Pitch is. But, oh, for that, the listeners, sorry. Uh, yeah. So relative pitch is when you're given Go a ahead, note. Really doesn't point. care about you, listeners. That's obvious. Yeah. We did that in um, oral, oral theory. That, that's all. That's all. All right. Was. So let me explain. Can I explain? Relative? Go ahead. So relative pitch is when you have a, a they give you a point of reference, yeah. and then you can from there, then you can tell what pitches are, or you can sing a pitch from theirs because that's relative pitch. But like, there's people that can just wake up and have never heard a sound for the day, and you just give them. You, they hear a bird singing. You could, they could tell you what note that is if they know music. And that's know? what I'm trying to say. Uh, you can you can be taught that. You, you can't be taught perfect pitch. I think you can. Okay. Uh, um, and that, that little kid. So that sounds like it. we're going to the next going question. To the next, next question. You, you can get taught that. Uh, okay. You can um, taught anything. Okay. Don't tell me it can't be done. I'm telling you it can't be done, Bill. Uh, don't tell me Why don't you teach done. yourself perfect pitch? I already got it. Well, that's not what I heard on stage the other night. <laughs> I'm just joking. I had some pretty bad moments myself. No, you sounded great. I was on fire the other night, by the way. Thank you. For what it's worth. I appreciate that. <laughs> Just holding down Sucks about your bass player that he died. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately he uh, he passed away like Rest 30 minutes before the show too. Yeah, man, it sucks. <laughs> right, show really inconvenient gone. for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. He should have been more considerate. He should have been more. Yeah, I mean, just fuck. Looking guy. for a new tall Long Island bass player. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can't but replace no, it with. They really sing like Prince. Yeah, exactly. They sing like Prince. It's so weird. It really did sound great. It was. It was cool that. I felt like you guys stumbled upon a unique sound I haven't heard before because it was like half synthesizer and half acoustic. Yeah, that's that's. No. But it was actually cool. <laughs> like I was, I was like. I didn't. I didn't know this would work, but it works. Oh, I'm glad. I, I liked it. You, I'm glad I, you liked it. So that's kind of what we like. The, like when when Sean called and said he couldn't make it, I was like, all right, well, we're died. gonna we're he gonna call and then died. We're gonna try something. <laughs> I'm dying now. <laughs> I was like, we're gonna try something a little bit different because we typically do the three piece at bar gigs yeah. as a hangout express, but he'll just play his piano as Nord. Yeah. And I was like, just bring the synth. We're gonna fuck with it. I'll have my pedals. We'll 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 get you know we'll get weird. Who cares? It's not for a good it's time. It's like you know Anytime, low you know pressure. Just people, just just a couple guys hanging out. Really. Yeah. I felt a lot of pressure. It's cool. That's I like. Why I was in my head though. I was just like, God damn it, this is gonna suck. This yeah. sucks. Sucks. I don't. You wanna were do holding this. it down. I felt like you were playing the parts of like three people, which uh, I just learned is something that he does. That. You learned early on. Yeah. He does uh, that, as, yeah. as a piano player. Yeah. And when yeah, you give me that, awesome. when you give me that room and everything like that, I'll I'll do it. But I've also learned, and he taught me how. Apparently, you can teach people how to do things. Yeah. Kind of like perfect pitch. But I would say he taught me how to play less. That's basically all he did. Well, uh, said, I, obviously, said, people don't learn play, that quickly because you haven't learned that lesson yet. And play less. Well, yes, I do. I'm still, you're doing a great job, Bill. Oh you sound God. a lot better, I'm I, saying. Um, okay. so I sound perfect. You've improved. improved. Perfect Made now. some improvements. Um, all right. So uh, you got to go soon. So I want to get to the rest of these questions before... Um, Let me get on the beer. Is that all right? Yeah, go for it. Anything? I'm good. All right. Um, I got another like 40 minutes. 30 okay. to 40. Cool. Well, this shit can go. This shit can run up the clock if if we're if we're having too good of a time. Word. So you know. Um. Fuck. I have this. How do I write this question? Sometimes I write these things so long and I can't like digest them really quickly. All right, right. So you do a lot of different types of gigs now outside of the creative stuff. You're playing it in corporate gigs and wedding bands and bar bands and church and all that. Um, what is? How do you approach each of those gigs differently and uh, versus like being in a creative project or uh, or you know or if you have like expectations of of band leaders when you walk into a scenario? Just give us your approach to that world. Yeah, it's really. Um it's kind of like that thing I was saying before where I feel like each, every setting that I would play in, like every band, it's like a different operating system that I have to turn on where, and it does, it's not like, like, I don't feel like it's artificial or anything. I just feel like in each context, it requires something different, you know? And, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It really, really depends on the day. You know, in the like in the corporate bands, like in the Royals, which is the main corporate band that I'm in. Um, when we go in there, it's about like those shows are really long. We'll usually play for three or four hours, and it's it's in there. It's more about just like I guess you could say precision or or professionalism or like putting on a show that that looks good and has the right effect and all that, and then. You know, to go into a a bar gig, you know, like playing at at Lynch's with B sides, it's this completely different energy where it's it's just about 
kind of like going crazy and helping people blow off steam and right like there's no because those dudes play like crazy especially the drummer bruce shout out to bruce but uh they it's like it's you know there's nothing held back and then in other bands there's tons held back like you have to play very conservatively very lightly um so i don't know it's hard for me to have a overall answer to that but every setting i feel like i sort of morph my approach to fit what's going on do you spend time prepping more for specific gigs or uh, do, you, do you finally get that more maybe more high pressure gigs or do you are you kind of at a point now where if you get a call you either played the songs on the list probably or you, you can just kind of figure it out as you go yeah it always depends ones that are ones that are really big i'll definitely make sure i, I take out the time to be ready like um uh, like how I noted on there during um, 2018 and 19 that I was touring with uh, the Fantasia, Fantasia yep. with yep. the MVP band. And that was an awesome experience. And before that started, um, I hadn't, I had been focusing more on like bass and keys or doing that more. So I hadn't been playing trumpet much and I'd lost some of the, like some of the on the spot, uh, you know, ease of trumpet that I used to have when I was playing every day and leading up to that, I, uh, like I had fallen out of the practice of playing trumpet every day, doing all the exercises. But for like a month before that gig started, I was in there every day doing all the, the technical exercises just because in my head it was, you know, this gig is, I got to do this right. And I was going in there you know, I wanted to be ready and, you know, I, I'm always, yeah, I'm always trying to do the best I can, but with the amount of things I'm juggling, I sort of like every week it takes a different kind of thing that I have to focus on, I guess. So, right. so yeah, like before that time it was an hour a day of the trumpet. Sometimes it's, I'll go a month without playing trumpet maybe not a month, but I'll go a week or two without playing trumpet because I don't have any gigs where I'm playing trumpet. And then right. if one of them comes up, uh, you know, and then I haven't played trumpet in a while, I'll start hitting that again to be ready for the gig. Yeah. A lot of it is just maintaining what I would need for different gigs that are coming up. So yes. yeah, the way I do prepping changes a lot with like how the calendar changes, I would say. Yeah. You say you mostly do trumpet for gigs. Like, what are you, what are you playing with in the B sides tonight? Are you playing piano, bass with them. Oh, you playing bass? Okay. Yeah, mostly it's it's mostly. Can't imagine there's a lot of trumpet gigs. No offense. There's <laughs> well, uh, there's definitely a lot more gigs for bass and keyboard. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and I I've been fortunate that the especially in the Royals, the band where I do play trumpet, that they uh, they get to play a lot so that keeps me busy playing trumpet but um yeah it's probably like half bass these days like 40 percent trumpet every now and then on some keyboard i just can't imagine like um being like okay i have to be a master of three instruments so i have three times the practice not a master just good enough that you know nobody what? notices well you're not a, you're not a, an amateur you know what i'm trying <laughs> to say so it's just like you got to practice all three instruments in a day and like be able to you know be like not forget it but 
It's pretty cool that you can play that. Did you play anything else besides trumpet, bass, keys, guitar? Um, not really. I mean, I goof off on drums. Like, I play drums in my house for fun, yeah. but I don't consider myself, like, a drummer. Like, I won't do gigs on drums. I do always say I feel like every musician should at least know how to play, like, something on every other Oh, yeah, totally. You know what I mean? really helps your perspective I've never seen out. you play yeah. piano, though. Because uh, I can't play piano. I thought that's what you grew up playing. That was, that was my first instrument. That's what he does behind the camera. Yeah. Exactly. And off that's the mic. But you lost it. But I can play like something on guitar, bass, yeah. drums. I, mean, I, can pl- I, I, can I can't play, play something. anything on uh, uh, trumpet or brass. I never even tried. I've always wanted to learn saxophone. I thought it's not was, worth it. I thought it was the coolest instrument ever. <laughs> but trumpet's weird because you got to do it the whole time. And that, that makes my lips tickle. And I don't like it. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I'm just not a big fan of that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't I don't want to do it. Saxophone though, you (laughs) you just blow into it, right? It's a story, right? It's well it's close to that. It involves like you have to vibrate the reed against your lower lip. I'm out. I don't like that feeling. But it's much closer to just blowing. Okay, cool. If you get your lower lip in the right place and you get the airstream the right way, it'll vibrate it. I don't yeah. Okay, all right. Well maybe saxophone then. Yeah, you should learn saxophone. When I was in fourth grade, I learned viola. Nice. Hell never yeah. got past pizzicato, though. That's something I've never have uh, string instrument looked into as it's anything hard. with a bow. It's hard, man. I tried to teach myself violin. I was playing this this kind of like country, pop, folky band. Oh, you're trying to learn fiddle. Back in uh, South Florida. Like the hardest violin. And, uh, no, violin. You're talking about fiddle. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, hey, uh, would you. Country we, we, have, we have a couple a band, songs. It would know, be cool, like a cool thing to play. Um, you know, we don't. Uh, and the parts don't sound very hard. And I was like, yeah, I'm down to, I'm down to try. So I started practicing for a couple weeks. Oh, shit. And I was able to get like, like a decent How old sound. You? I was uh, like 23. So you just at twenty three, you're like, yeah, I got this. Well, because I played a little bit. I, I've <laughs> played, hell yeah. I've I've played. You know, it's the hardest instrument to learn. I, I couldn't. I could, didn't learn it. Yeah. But the thing is, but the thing is, like, it's, he's, he's like, yeah, that's the thing. So I was able to get like a nice Boeing sound. I was able to kind of get it to sound decent like that. And I know it's it's the same scales or same intervals as the mandolin, which I've played. Uh, enough mandolin to know like the, like the major scales you and stuff. You play mandolin too. So uh, part of the same project nice. actually. Uh, so I was able to get the fingering down pretty quickly. It was just the bowing and all that. And then I, after a few weeks of like, I, I you know I have no real passion for the instrument. Yeah. There's something about a violin where it's just like it's so old school, like ridiculously old school, and the fact that you can just like just bring it anywhere, yeah. and anytime you just bust out a violin it's the classiest fucking thing in the world also very annoying sometimes though yeah. if you ever hear like a people that are bad or they're over that are overplaying oh yeah that's the worst um dude any instrument with a bow scares me yeah i'm like i don't know what to do with this Cause it's more not made out of horse hair oh yeah so what's that about you know what i'm saying all right, that's uh, why it scares me. Yeah, I'm scared it's of horses. Made out of animals. I don't want playing it. Okay. Well, I guess piano used to be made out of ivory from the tusks yep. of elephants. Yep. Yeah. So. Um. All right. So I I do want to ask tinkling. you. I do want to ask you about uh, <laughs> right. the Fantasia gig and what and what that was like. That yeah. Was yeah. Yeah. To be clear, Fantasia, the American Idol pop star, not yes the Disney movie, <laughs> not, not the Disney um, <laughs> just for our listeners. cartoon collages. Yeah. I, uh, I, Fantasia's yeah, good. no, it was it was great. It was an awesome experience. Where'd you guys go? Did you, did you tour with them, or you did a couple local things? Um, so basically, 
there wasn't a full tour, but it was, I think over the course that I was with them, I think I did about 12 or 13 shows with them Okay. and they weren't in one chunk like a tour, but they were, uh, they were all across the country. So we did like a lot of them were in the Southeast and like Alabama and I think, uh, South Carolina, that kind of stuff. We did one in uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville. which was cool. That's okay. Exactly, Louisville. There you go. Louisville. We did one there. Um, we did one in in Tampa. So most of it was all in the the southeastern part of the U.S., but we were traveling around doing that. And we did um, we did two shows on the Tom Joyner cruise. Okay. Which was awesome. Which that's something that they do every year that goes around the. Um, I guess the Caribbean like goes around it started in where was it and um like why am I forgetting Puerto Rico is where they started and went around there and then they like have R&B shows on the boat yeah <laughs> and so that was cool we did two shows inside this theater that was on the cruise boat nice which was cool but yeah so it was mostly it's mostly like spot dates where we would travel around uh the sort of southern part of the country and what do shows i was gonna say can, can i ask how, how'd you get that gig did you fall um, into it did you try out or it was actually well it was through uh, a connection with darren escar do either you guys know darren escar that name sounds really familiar no darren escar is awesome and he's a uh, he's a saxophone player in town yeah and he's he's done a lot he joined the that fantasia gig years ago like i think he joined it pretty quick out of high school and was with them, I don't know when, but maybe around 2010 or something. And he did that with them for, for a long time. And I came to know Darren through a lot of bands around here. He plays in, uh, he started a band called South City Live. Oh, I know them, yeah. Yeah, that's that's Darren's band that he started. And uh, he was involved in the band Be Easy. Okay. Oh, yeah, love them. Yeah, they're awesome. Um well, he plays with Split Tone, yeah. so he's around. He's he's on the scene a lot. He played for this band called The Reign of Kindo. If you guys know that band, they're band cool. Band. They're they have great music um, that they're on Spotify and stuff. But um, he just hit you up one day and was like, "Hey, we need a trumpet player." Well, I ended up I ended up being like I was doing gigs with Darren every day for a while. We were in like five different bands together. Yeah, and so yeah, at one point they needed somebody to fill the spot there. He was in it and. What was the band like for Fantasia? Like, well, how many piece band was it? Um, it was because it had trumpet, saxophone. I'm thinking they're gonna have like a whole orchestra or something. No, it was actually just two horns. Oh, it was just two horns. And yeah, just, just me and him on horns. Never mind. And uh, the rest of the band, I guess it was so the core band would have been a five piece because they usually had drums, bass, two keyboards, and a guitar player. Two keyboards always weirds me out, but I understand why you do it. And both of the keyboard players had a, a bunch of keyboards, so it was more like seven keyboards. Oh, wow. And the bass player had a keyboard. I get, I get why you do it. It's just yeah. very funny to me. Yeah. But uh, that's. But yeah, it was basically just a five-piece band and two horns, and usually at the shows, uh, she would have a couple backup singers, two or three backup singers that as well. Yeah. So were you, were you playing, like, c- covers? How many songs does Fantasia have? Like, does she have an oh, album? She's got it? a ton. She's I got just, a whole catalog of she them. She got, like, yeah. famous from American Idol, right? That was definitely the kickstart yeah, yeah, yeah. to her career, yeah. And then, so, she got famous singing covers, right? 
at American Out. That's all it is. I guess back then. I just well, how much? How much were y'all playing? I was I was probably seven or eight when that happened. Right. <laughs> I, was, f- I just meant like how many how many but, covers were you playing uh, were there? Or was it just all original stuff? Um, not many. Uh, we did one. Uh, we did a cover of a, a Tina Turner song, which is pretty dope. And they make it super dramatic and huge, like at the end of the song. What song? Um, was it a uh, Lose to Win? Yeah, is that right? Yeah, it was. It was awesome. Uh, I was gonna but say, no, it was mo- it was mostly her songs. She she's got a catalog of great music. For so sure. were you making bank? It was decent. It was decent. Yeah. You're doing all right. Yeah, yeah. I'm you can say that. You can tell, man. How much were you making? Yeah. <laughs> no, just uh, um, what 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 were those? What were, what, what were like, the exact numbers? I'll write it on a piece of paper. Before <laughs> no. taxes, what was it? What the <laughs> right. What kind of form did they send you in the mail? I'm just yeah. wondering, <laughs> right. uh, uh, and it was more of a because I, I I don't. I have never seen her, of course, but I was thinking like how big of a production it was, and like what was like the room size and everything when you were playing to. Was it like a stadium sort of deal, or it was big, man. It was right? it was bigger than anything I'd been involved in before that. But yeah, like when we played in Louisville, it was at the KFC Arena, at the KFC Yum Center. There. Jesus Christ, exactly the Yum Center. Yeah, I know it's the worst name ever, but I was like, why is it so delicious in here? Yeah, yeah, it's better than Papa John's, though. Hey, listen, uh, 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 so yeah, you're playing in front of like ten thousand people or so. Yeah, some of them were. And, they, size, and they, awesome. they just give you, I imagine they just give you like a, a deal. Like, this is how much you're going to get paid for the show. doesn't matter how much money, money we make. Um, agree well, or they, disagree. Yeah, it was the same for each thing. It oh, was no. it was worked out through like the MVP band's sub company and that kind of thing. Okay, okay. okay. Now, pretty cool, though, what was yeah. the, uh, the the preparation for those shows? Like, did you guys have, have rehearsals? Were you... Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, yeah. Befo- before we went out and started playing, there was a lot of rehearsals. We would do like... I want to say maybe one or two a week for like a few weeks leading up to it. Okay. Yeah, just to just to get everything going. And before I joined, I was like the latest addition when I got added. So they already had recordings of like the newest version of the show. So I spent a long time at home just like just looping that recording of the show yeah. to like have it all in my head. Totally. And I was like, if there's one thing I want to know every note to, it's this. And then... When I went in there, I was already kind of familiar with it. Was there uh, any expectations that you had going in that maybe weren't met, or expectations that uh, maybe uh, you know that were above uh, situations that were above and beyond your expectations? Man, I don't know. I didn't really know what to expect, really. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, from the start, I was just kind of like, "Well, I'm along for this ride. See what this is like." I'm always curious. Sorry, you were about to say something. I guess I was just thinking it's it was an interesting experience being on the like you saying like those bigger stages. Yeah. It was a weird I had these weird feelings about like size and stuff, relative size. It's weird that in a place that's really big the stage seems really small or something. Yeah. Or or I don't know, when I feel like when you're in the crowd at a huge concert, it seems like the people on the stage are larger than life or something. In some way, like also tiny visually, but yeah, that's how I feel too. But there's this weird feeling about size. It's like they look like the size of ants because I'm far away, but it feels like they're bigger up there or something. What's it like looking out at that many people though? It's weird. Yeah, right. It's just like see people. I tried to block it out. Yeah, not block of it out, but 
if I tried to, th- if I started thinking about it too much, I would just imagine I was in like a little bar and there was like 30 people looking at me. That's the key. And then I could like play better. Yeah. So I was like, don't think about that, how overblown this is. I was like, I'm just, I'm in my bedroom practicing. It's the same as the last hundred times I did it. Well, that's what uh, um, tightrope walking is. I mean, you don't start practicing tightrope walking right. across Mount Everest or the tw- Twin Towers. I did, personally. Well, but well, <laughs> good for you, kid. <laughs> but that's all it is. It's the same trick. You're just doing it up way higher. It, nothing changes except for your fear of it. Lis- that's the way I look at crowds, too, and everything. Totally. So It's all in your head. In I, don't, I don't think I'll, I've ever... I was going to say that I'll ever play. Maybe one day. Yeah, but you can't for, tell yourself shit like for that. For 20,000 people, though, that's insane. Yeah, it'll happen one day. Yeah. I was, I listened to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing around. I, 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 I listened wait. to the, uh, I can't wait. the Joe Rogan, yeah. uh, show with Kanye, like yeah. a oh, few yeah. months back. Yeah. But I just remember him saying that he was like, if you had this beam that was thousands of feet in the air, like no one could walk across it. But if you put a line of red tape on the ground, anyone could walk across it. And he's like, it's actually no different. Technically, yeah. just walking along the same straight line. He was like, if you if you do it like you're just on the ground walking on a piece of tape, then it's the same thing. I was like, that's, that's it's, it was interesting to think about. It makes sense, though. Yeah, there was a lot about that interview that I thought was pretty, pretty fascinating. You got a lot of, yeah, a lot of shit for that. Uh, but I thought it was cool. There's a lot of. The, yeah, the, there's. He did maybe semi-popular opinion. I, I liked Kanye on Rogan. I actually that was one of my one of my from a few weeks ago. Uh, but it was it's, that man's nuts. That, but <laughs> that but there, but there's a level of 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 kind of uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Hey, uh, that's how you want to spend your money. Spend your money, dude. No, no it's Whatever. it's uh, just self-fulfilling prophecy type shit. You know, where like people are very negative and create their own situ- like their own bad situations because of that. Whereas Kanye is just like. Yeah, I'm just gonna dream as big and as crazy as fucking possible. It's cool. You still haven't and watched this church service, have you? No, my, although I had a friend of mine that was that was, was a drummer for, yeah. for for one of his church for several of his church services. The church actually. services, or like the when he actually plays in an arena. No, the services. The services. I'm talking about when the the church stuff that he did at like arenas and everything. Yeah, like that. you gotta watch it. Yeah, my friend said it was pretty. It's powerful crazy experience. Looking. It's so, um, it's so cool how they have it like a whole circle and like everybody's like standing close to him and everything. He's got a little bit of a God complex. I don't know if you know that. But he, everybody's standing in a circle and the whole band's in a circle facing outward. And I haven't seen it. It sounds cool. And then they just got uh, like the most flowers you've ever seen in your entire life just surrounding them. And then this giant circle of uh, white light coming down through like a come a, 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 a translucent thing and then throughout the uh, show it goes from white to like dark blue just sounds like, cool slowly in an hour and it's all gospel music Dang. yeah and then every now and then kanye west will go up there and then start singing like uh jesus walks and all that stuff yeah you ever heard that one yeah anyways uh, but dude like you're saying there's i think that's completely real is that like like if you take him as an example he's like that because he always thought he would be like that anyway exactly and then it that's how it unfolds into reality exactly fake it till you make it and yeah yeah, i mean it's like that's this weird layer of reality that gets i think some people skip over it but it's like your thought process affects how you speak and then affects the choices you make and then it affects like everything else that happens to you so if you change that then you change everything else made it 
really is a perspective thing. You know, it's like when when you encounter an issue, just something as simple as like, you know, your a, a, your tire blows out in the road or something, right? And it's like, well, the perspective can be fuck like why me of course this has happened to me i'm on my way to work and blah blah, blah and i'm gonna be late and this and that or nothing worse than that has actually ever happened to anyone in all of history <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you would a tire blow you, you you would you, you would think by some people's reaction that that would be the case <laughs> exactly. right yeah. but then but then there's also the 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 person that looks at that as okay well you just you just get it you just fix it and you move on you know yeah. or then there's like the next layer of somebody is like, oh, sweet, an opportunity to solve a problem. You know, like that's the kind of shit. It, it's literally the perspective. I think know? musicians have a great job at uh, that because they have something called stage presence, which means that they know that everybody is looking at you the whole time. Yeah. You can't hide yourself on stage. Yeah. So if you keep that kind of mentality in your life, you're like, everybody's watching me, everything like that. It's all about how you react. You can see it on your face. Yeah. Just I smile when shit goes wrong. You got to. Yeah. What are you supposed to do on stage? Like get all angry? Like oh, what the fuck? It's that's hilarious when shit goes wrong. That's my favorite thing to do. Is when <laughs> sometimes when somebody, messes, well. me, somebody messes with to a degree, to a degree within yeah. reason. Yeah. If somebody messes up in our band or any band, I just look over there and smile real that's big. That's all you can do. Yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. You totally. fucked up. <laughs> I just, <laughs> smile real big. <laughs> Nobody will know. I always look back. Now at, they know. I guess. I will look back at you or Aaron sometimes. And I always be like. <laughs> that's yeah, a, but you can't do that. You no, can't no, no, no. That. That, that, you mess up, but but not like a not not in like a. Everyone's watching you. It, it's more like in like a in like in like a in a endearing way. It's yeah. like you know what I mean. Not so much like fuck you. Yeah. It's more just like caught that. No, I know. I learned that the hard way. I got real mad at my drummer because he had a really bad memory because of all the drugs that he took. So I would I would like yell at him on stage. Don't do that. Yeah, is do what that. I've learned. Right. I've learned that as well. Yeah, it's uh, you. Uh, the only way that you know is when somebody comes and is like, "Why are you yelling on stage? You look so mad." I'm like, "Oh shit, I ruined the show. I ruin you ruin the show more than your reaction ruins the show more than the actual mistake." Yeah, hundred percent. So hundred percent. Put a smile you know, on your that, face. That actually that really reminds me of, I think one of the things I was gonna say that I've learned over time is that I think I used to, I used to have a bigger. I mean, I still want everything to be just right but i used to have a much bigger perfectionist complex oh yeah and there was times where i would get like really dissatisfied with bandmate bandmates and stuff like that because it didn't sound how i wanted it to sound and like sometimes i like would be a real dick about it and then later i'd be like i shouldn't have been like that and i think over time i've i've realized that Music sort of comes out better when you don't force it too hard. And, yeah. and it's like, I think I, I hear everything a certain way. I, and I realize that like everyone hears music in a different way. And all of the bands that I was in got better when, or like they started sounding better to me when I was like, I should let that person play it how they hear it. And yep. not like want it to be the way I hear it. Right. Because then the, I spent the whole time like at some level fighting against what was happening in my head. I was like, that's not right. Right. And I would go a whole gig being like, it doesn't sound right. Right. In my head, like I wouldn't say anything, but I wouldn't enjoy it as much. Cause I was like attached to 
what I wanted it to sound like. Yeah. And at some point I learned to like let go of that, I guess. And I started being like, well, if I listen to how this person wants to play this thing, I might hear something more interesting that I wouldn't have thought of. Exactly. And I'll enjoy it more because I'm not like fighting against it. You got to let go of the ego. You know, that's that's what it boils down to right. in every aspect, whether it's whether it's giving up some kind of creative control or whether it's, you know, not being too hard on yourself, even, you know, at a show, just whatever it is, just kind of letting go of the pressure a little bit. Obviously, I'm still You're very so bad at I'm it. I'm so bad at that. Yeah. This guy will like beat himself up for like days afterwards. Oh, I st- it's I, I've been there. I, I, yeah, I, I'm not saying that I've mastered the technique. I'm I saying, have mastered it. Uh, yeah, I am. So that's, why, that's why you can levitate. Yeah, I can levitate. Probably works a little bit against you at this point, though. It, do- it does yeah. a little bit because yeah. sometimes I should be a little bit more take things a little bit more seriously. Yeah, but um, but there's. Sorry, go ahead. Well, well, that's kind of the flip side of that same realization is when I stopped judging the way other people are playing, I got easier on myself too. Yeah. Because I think I used to, I used to feel like everyone was listening to me really closely the whole time. And I felt like if I played a note that I didn't like that everyone in the building was like staring at me. Yeah. And I've learned over the years that that's so far from correct it's more like you could play everything perfectly and probably no one would still pay attention. Right. Right. <laughs> that's a really good quote. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's <laughs> a little self-deprecate, but it's like that. It's like, I feel like 90% of the time, if I do something that I think was bad, it's like no one is actually paying attention to this. Yeah. And so if I just forget about it, no one else even noticed. Exactly. And then I'm not holding myself up going forward. And it also, yeah. And it allows you to, 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 uh, to, to move on a little bit with, with less stress too, you know, as so you get hung up on that one thing and then you put yourself in the state of mind where like, you can't even be present anymore. You're still back there. That moment's gone. Exactly. And like you're fucking yourself up in the moment even more and you're just, you're just ruining your, it's, it goes back to that. It's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy thing. It's like, oh, I ruined that moment here. And now it's like, all I can do is just like be in this bad state of mind and keep ruining moments, you know? Yeah. I know that feeling super well because music always unfolds in the present moment. Exactly. And if your mind gets stuck on something five minutes ago, you can't play anymore. It's, it's literally because you're not right there. It, it is so uh, crippling. It's insane, man. Yeah. Like it, it happens. I catch myself all the time, like where I'm thinking about. I'll be in the middle of a solo, and then something will pop in my head. I'll be like, like, oh, did I pay that bill or something? And then all of a sudden, it's just like, oh fuck. And I, I, I train wreck whatever I'm doing. In the forget a word, I forget a lyric, or just like a solo just starts train. It's just it's it's crippling. You know when I really mess up on stage is when I start going like. Oh man, I sound so great right now. Yeah. <laughs> if I ever think something like that, then I immediately stop sounding good. Yeah. That literally happened to me on on, on a gig we were playing at 1904. Like, I was playing this solo that that uh, for one of Billy's tunes, and it's a really difficult solo. It's like yeah. very fast and like kind of like country chicken picking kind of. And so I had gotten through the hardest part of the solo, and I look back, I look over at Billy, I'm like. Fuck you! Yeah, because he and finally as, got it. As soon as I did that, like on the downbeat, I, I land. I'm supposed to land on the root note, and I land on like the fucking on, on like the on, on like the like the half step up from it, and I was like, God damn! That's on so stage, funny. Like, God damn it! <laughs> and I laughed even harder. Yeah, you laughed. Uh, but uh, you were only, so close. Yeah, so close. The only thing that really gets to me 
any at any time now is last minute changes. Oh, yeah. so it's like you get stressed out. I about get that. stressed out. Yeah. I get really stressed out. That's what uh, on Jackrabbit's like. I yeah, I worked yeah. night shift job and I woke up at like five o'clock and I woke up late that day and we're supposed to be loading was at six and then and I you're found like, wait we're doing what exactly yeah and then I was just like ah oh, shit and I don't know how to do this I'm like thinking like how are we gonna do this how are we gonna do this and everything like that but that's literally the only other time that I get nervous about playing anything yeah last minute changes don't fuck with me at all yeah. I just get nervous about playing in front of a lot of people when I know that they're that they're there to hear our music that's what gets me. Yeah. So the pressure's on, you know. But, but Carrie, my girlfriend, she was making fun of me so hard because she said I was so nervous I wasn't talking, and she thought that like something was going on. That's how I felt too. I was like, What's wrong with you, yeah, bro? Yeah, I'm not talking. Yeah, yeah I know. Funny. All but right, anyway, um, I apologize about that. We gotta, we gotta move on. Uh, before, before we go on, oh, on to unpopular opinions. Uh, do you want to plug some of the bands you're in? Or, I mean, Mr. Cool yeah. is like one of my favorite. Yeah, local man, bands I right really, really like awesome. that band a lot. Thank yeah. you, dude. a lot, a lot. Dude, yeah, I had a great time at that show. And last you look week. cool playing trumpet and piano at the same time. Yeah. I will say that's badass. Hell yeah, I've been enjoying it. <laughs> that's really cool. Um, yeah, I got a couple projects going on now that are good. Uh, that's that's a main one, Mr. Cool, which Such is a, a band. Great band name too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty pretty Number stoked about fan. that project. And uh, that band's kind of based out of St. Augustine. How long have you have you been together for? Um, about a year. Yeah, brand new. But. Well, it's funny. We only we played our very first show in February last year, right before COVID happened. <laughs> yeah, go figure. And then we didn't play any shows for like eight months. So, <laughs> but we used that period to like write all the music and yeah. record an album. So we've recorded a full album, and right now we're mixing it and stuff. And I can't wait to hear it, man. There's gonna be a single out very soon, like maybe in the next week or two, and there's gonna be the full album in a couple months. Probably. Why are you recording it on your own? Um, no, we recorded at NFS, uh, which is North Saint North Augustine. Florida Studios. Um, that's do you know about that place? Yeah, that's where LPT did their album. Oh, okay. it is. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's an incredible studio. <laughs> it's in Elkton, <laughs> which is like in the country west from St. Augustine. Elkton, never heard of it. And uh, it's awesome. It's like a old. That place is like a seven or eight bedroom mansion, basically that they like turned into a studio. That's dope. It's for, awesome. Let's go check that place out. Yeah, but, uh, shit. but yeah, so there's Mr. Cool. Uh, album is going to be out soon. Um, I'm in another band called El Castillo with two guys from St. Augustine. Spanish for the Castillo. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Dude, you're the first guy to figure that out. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's really fun. That's with Mike Monahan. Oh, and who I was Yeah, who I was in Kapowski with. Okay. And uh, this guy, Ben McLeod, who's in a band called All Them Witches. Okay. And, uh, yeah, he's really awesome. That I've band's heard, fun. I've heard great things about that band, by the way. Thanks, dude. It's really fun. It's like a, uh, it's like a sort of like surf rock, old school blues, like rock kind of style. It's really nice. fun. Hell yeah. And, um, what do you play in that band? Uh, Trumpet? bass. Oh, you play bass? <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. And, um, yeah, I'm in a Grateful Dead band called One Good Ring. Where do you play? Bass. Uh, sorry, where? Oh, where? Um, so actually one of our members is the owner of a couple of mellow mushrooms. So we play at some of the mellow mushrooms and some of that. And nice. St. Augustine or up here? Um, St. He owns the one in St. Augustine and this new one that's in Durban. Where are all these? Like Fruit Cove kind of. Fruit Cove, okay. Oh, Fruit Cove. Oh, yeah. I know that one. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, gotta come see you play. But, um, and then I also yeah, have. Keep going, obviously. How are you managing <laughs> it? <Yeah. laughs> Also, I have my solo project, which is called The Winding Road, and I've put up two albums online. 
that um, maybe I should send you like some links that you could put up with the episode or something. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it on our bottom of the bill playlist for sure. Awesome. Yeah. That'd be awesome. And uh, so, yeah, Winding Road, and I'm hoping to do some live shows with that soon. I just do like Ableton. Oh, you do? Oh, oh, cool. And I run it with the push, and I have like a keyboard. Yeah, the one or two. Push, push two. Yeah, the push two. I just sold mine. I just, I was just like, ah, this is too much, and it's too expensive. <laughs> Dude, I love too. that thing. I liked it, but it was just like, yeah, it's, it's. I don't need all this. It's a big stuff. learning curve for me, yeah. but it's not. Yeah, because you have to learn all the other stuff and everything like that. But it's more just like you could do this with a. In a launch pad for a hundred dollars and this thing was 650 yeah so. i'm just an ableton nerd so i love the way yeah. the push integrates with it it's yeah, like sure. design every button like fits into ableton perfectly so it's cool but, but uh yeah that's, cool. that's just that yeah that's about it as far as that stuff and i just recently put out a record with the evan Rafino trio okay that people should check out on spotify it's called Waterwell music it's me evan and stefan klein oh word i'll definitely check that out yeah, and that album is really cool. It's all Evan's music, and it's it's super awesome. Uh, like, it's it's tough to explain. It's like uh, it's like jazz put through a weird. Uh, it's like you know when you look through a glass of water and everything is like all weird and stretched out. Yeah, it's like jazz through a glass of water. Okay, refracted jazz. Yeah. I like that. That's what yeah, refracted jazz. So jazz. New genre name. I love genres, <laughs> man. <laughs> Let's start making refracted uh, genre adjective. It sounds good, yeah. yeah. Refracted jazz. Oh, shit. I mean, Boy, refracted jam band. Re- refracted jam band. You should have heard them last night. They were getting refracted. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I could see all seven colors, bro. They were bro. bending every light. I saw the whole rainbow. Wow. <laughs> A double rainbow. Double rainbow across the sky. Um, all right, yeah. so unpopular opinions. Let's, let's get to it. All right. You this go first. Good. This is good because I didn't know uh, uh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you were going to be um, – I don't know what what kind of person you are. <laughs> I'm, th- I'm this kind of person. There it is. But this has been a nice podcast. It's been real informative yeah. for me anyways. All right. Um, 
Where are all my goes? All right, I'm going to go. No, no, no. I got it. I got it. All right. I just, this is a long one. Uh, musicians or sommeliers. You know what that is? Or what? That's like the people that taste wine. Yeah. And know everything about wine. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Wine has a million different flavors, but its main flavor is drunk. The same way music has a million different options and sounds, the best music reaches all audience to dance and have fun. Anything else is just for musicians. It's good. It's good. Thank you. Okay. Well, um... This is kind of in line with that, actually. Uh, disco is pretty dope. I'm, I like disco. Word. I'm, a, I'm a fan. I always have been a fan. That's why my People. mom raised me. I was Casey in the Sunshine Band. I swear to God, I know every single song. Fucking fan. great bass lines, yeah. great horn arrangements. It's good, good, good danceable. All they want you to do writing. is dance and have fun. That's what I was trying yeah. to say. People, people, you know, people give give disco a lot of shit, and I think that it's actually, you know. If you listen to it a little bit more than just the cheesy lyrics and the really annoying production, it's actually really really well-written music. It's really bad (laughs) disco, though. Yeah, for sure. Like, really bad disco. What's your second unpopular opinion? (laughs) Get real bad disco. That sounds like a good band name. Um, Unwritten, I'm sorry, I don't know if you like sports at all, but unwritten rules in baseball are stupid. Baseball season's coming back. One more month. All right. But, you know, like, uh, 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 there's, like, unwritten rule, like, you don't flip your bat. If you're a visiting team, oh, I've never heard after that. After you hit a home run, never heard that. Talking to nobody knows this. You this don't, is, that's also going over my head. You don't you don't swing on a, a, a two zero count. Or I'm sorry, three zero count. Okay, especially it's tradition if you're ahead. Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? Just take the strike and just what do they want you to do? All right, whatever. All right, like, this is going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love football. Yeah. Okay. Um, thanks, bud. So uh, I'm 100 percent down with clapping on the one in three. I'm good with it. What? No, don't do that. It's fair enough. All down. I'm it's all for enough. it. When I see people getting down at, at a gig, and I start seeing them clap on the one and three, it's hilarious. But at the same time, they're just having a good time. I'm all for it. I'm not going to judge Hey, they're clapping. Them. They're clapping. That's gonna exactly. Fuck, that's gonna see, fuck Vegas me up. can't be choosers. <laughs> when I play it, it I does do fuck that. me up a little bit, but I, it, it is. It's just, it's fun. It's, it's, I'm just happy that somebody's enjoying what I'm doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, if you're going to clap on one and three, also include the two and the four, because this is going to mess me up. <laughs> uh, all right, my last one is uh, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody is awful every second of it. Really bad. It's so bad. It's like the worst movie I've ever seen, and I can't believe it's my mom's favorite movie. I mean, it's no Cape Fear, but it's pretty bad. Cape Fear is so much better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, how saying. can you even say that? Maybe that's my unpopular opinion for next week. It's just, it's just I, I hate any sort of... Uh, Band biopic. I won't lie, I haven't seen any of those. But have you seen Walk Hard before with the Dewey Cox story? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you have to watch at least like Ray or like some other sort of. uh, uh, Yeah, that's the rats. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, But uh, uh, you got to see one of the other. um, Behind the scenes. Yeah, behind behind the scenes. I got rats at all. Riverside (laughs) rats. But uh, you got to see you got to see one of those biopic movies, and then you kind of get Walk Hard because they just make fun of everything. Yeah. But music biopics. So bad. Really bad. Really bad. I saw the Miles Davis movie that they made a couple years ago. I didn't know there was. That was watchable, but still kind of. It wasn't that great. Yeah. It's not good. Don Cheadle played him. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of enjoyed that it existed. Yeah. I was like, I was like, it's fun to watch scenes of a guy acting as Miles Davis. Yeah. But I was like, on the pure merits of being a movie, this probably isn't the best movie ever. They never are. It's always all just so overblown and, and the same exact timeline for every musician out there. And they there love was like, music, they do drugs, they get fucked up, and then there's a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> or they die. That's what Walk Hard is. And that movie, they, I feel like... And I love that movie. I feel like they put in like 
unnecessary action scenes. There's like a car chase or something. Yeah. It's like, I don't feel like Miles Davis was in car chases and yeah. stuff all the time. The only movie that kind of follows that sort of like uh, plot that is good is that, that thing you do. That was a great movie. It's a great movie, but it's not a real, it's not a real it's not story. A real band or yeah. anything like that. I'm like, that makes sense. I'll yeah. listen to that. But and, I, and they, even just a little while ago during quarantine, they made a David Bowie movie. I'm sure it was terrible. Mark Marin is his manager for uh, when he comes to America. The guy looks nothing like David Bowie. Wow. Sings nothing like him. It's just Mark like, Marin. What is this? Yeah, I know. And Mark Marin's the guy. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's so bad. It's obviously like the worst one. It was very low budget. I'm like, I can't believe you did my boy like that. Well, what are you going to do? I don't know. Um, all right. So my Stop la- making them, please. My last one, and I don't think you're going to get this at all, but okay. um, I can't stand John McLaughlin. <laughs> I can't stand Who's him. Who's John McLaughlin? He's a jazz guitar player. Yeah. Return to Forever. He plays jazz? I he's more I mean he does but he's more like known for his fusion kind of uh still alive? Yes. <laughs> yeah. For what it's worth I'll say that I'm I'm Wait, probably no. neutral about him. Well, he what, I guess I'm neutral he wasn't too. Re- no what no I'm I'm thinking of Al Demiola from Return to Forever. John McLaughlin yeah. was uh Trans-Siberian or not Trans-Siberian, Trans-Siberian Jesus Siberian Orchestra. <laughs> What was uh, Mahavishnu Mahavishnu Orchestra? Jesus Christ, sorry. Bro, you want to rock out to some TSO tonight? Birds of Fire is a cool record, though. Is it like him solo? No, that's one of it's like a one of Mahavishnu. Okay, yeah, I just it's it's not even like the songs are bad. It's I can't stand the way that he plays guitar. (laughs) It's just like so. I'm just like you need like, to fucking bro, lay off the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like oh, I would a lot say, of musicians like that, especially from those times. Yeah, big um, time. Yeah, unpopular opinion because nobody knows who you're talking about. D- no, so nobody <laughs> okay. has that opinion. All right, well, uh, John, what you got? So remember my first one, and I feel like Billy might have a problem with this. Probably, but um, throw it out there. Unpopular opinion. I think 432 hertz does sound better than 440 hertz. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I know that their own, but I, know I guess that is that perfect? Whenever I've <laughs> there you it's go. perfect. That's all I'm trying to go. A forty third A four thirty two is the perfect pitch. Okay. Well I don't agree. It's with a you. universal frequency. <laughs> and I've got Plato to back me up, so this thing is perfect. <laughs> well but, uh, uh no, I agree I, with you, Dude, uh, I believe that shit. I started making my electronic music tuned to four thirty two. I tuned the synths to four thirty two and I think it sounds better. So yeah. I'm like this is my music. I can do whatever I you can want. Do whatever you want. I mean, that's what Hendrix did too. That's, inc- that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. That's why you can't you can't play it. I think Tom Petty did it too because you can't fucking play no, any of they, those music. No, they just detune their shit just barely because uh, they don't want people to be able to learn it right away or whatever. Or they have to tune it to like the piano or whatever it might be that's not in tune. Did Hendrix play it at four thirty two? Four thirty two. Yeah. That's yep. cool. Uh, that Bob Marley did too. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it though. I mean, you can look at the way that 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 the vibrations actually travel at at 432 versus at 440, and they're just you put them through water. And put them through water. It's like they just they're just more aesthetically pleasing to look at. This is some fucking musician sommelier shit for okay. sure. <laughs> you, oh I'm God, just saying that it is. Okay, but it's true though. This is science. What do, what do we talk at? What's our hearts at? You I don't know. know. What I'm I don't know. What's the hu- what's humanity's hurts? I don't know, but A is tuned to four thirty two. Humanity's hurts. <laughs> humanity's hurts. All right. Oh great. man, and you could you could write it as H U R T S or T Z. <laughs> humanity hurts. All right. One hundred and thirty two H U R T S. Yes. Oh my god. Oh, that's god. amazing. That's good. All right, John. Well, thanks for being here, man. We yeah. appreciate it. this. is a really Hell fun yeah. show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. 
awesome. Good luck at your gig tonight. And, oh, uh, don't ever say that. Break a leg. Oh, break a leg. <laughs> Sorry. idiot. Sorry. Break a leg. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> Make sure you break several parts of your leg. Why yeah. don't you? Yeah. That's <laughs> the plan. That's the <laughs> All I right, always guys. do. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you. We'll see you next week. Okay. Adios, muchachos.